Hello, listening people. Hole. You are listening to Spin Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I'm Ryan Stominski. And I'm Bartek. Well, that's a great name, Bartek. Have I ever told you that? Your name's pretty great. Ryan's pretty cool too. Yeah, I think it's a better name out of the two. Well, you got like a weird Y and it's not the end of your name, so that's kind of, you know, weird. Well, is it though? It's like an ending letter and you got it like second letter, like halfway through your name, you got a Y. <laughs> you could end it right there. Rye. Why don't we put it at the end? Like, it'd be Renny. <laughs> Hi, I'm Renny. And this and this is Stimpy. <laughs> yeah. And we are Spin Polish and we are presenting to you unappreciated masterpieces. Why we both spin why are we call spin polish is because we are always spitting and we are both uh, Polish, as you could tell from our Mr. amazing Polish, God, No. As you could tell well, you from made our... a, you made a sound for spit, so <laughs> Well, you could just speak in Polish if you wanted, not just sing. Don't sing at me. Okay. Never do that again, ever. If I hear one more song out of you, boy oh boy, are we going to talk about films. I'm so sorry, Ryan. That's it, we're going to have to talk about films now. Oh shit, I sang again. What we do on Unappreciated Masterpieces for those not in the know, you know, for those... <laughs> that was a not in all caps. <laughs> That's an N-O-T in all caps. For those not, no, Kane, you know, for those who don't know how to tie knots. Oh. And are in the know. Uh, we do feature-length audio commentaries for films that seemingly don't deserve them, but that's where we disagree. We say, hey, every film is an artistic vision that has been realized, and that's beautiful. Every piece of art is worth a second chance. Every piece of art is worth being appreciated, and that's why it's so tragic that there are so many that fall to the wayside, so many that are forgotten, so many that are, well, unappreciated masterpieces. I don't know. Freddy Gottfried's got its you know, audience. Yes, it, I. Well, that's why we're not covering Freddy Gottfried. Well, Bartek, you you segued pretty nicely into that. What are we covering? You know, champ. Oh, that was a segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about Freddy Got Fingered. Freddy Got Fingered is the best segue. Always is. Put, put that on a quote. Does he get fingered? Uh, no, it was an accusation. Yeah, so I do. I have watched the film. I just didn't like it, so I block <laughs> out most of it. But the important point to consider is that it was an artistic vision that was realised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's another example? Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got an Oscar, so... But did the some film... Some minor Oscar, was it? Yeah, something lame like Best Film of the Year. <laughs> How silly. Clearly, it best... should have been Saving Private Ryan, but whatever, whatever. Not just because it's got my name in it, but whatever. Save, saving Private Ranny would be your name. Ranny. So, Bartek, what's the film that didn't win an Oscar that we're covering? Well, the film... Oh, it's from last year, so it didn't win in Moscow, yeah. Um, the film that we are covering on this episode is Kouche Giacchino. Well, this is kind of awkward, because... It didn't win an Oscar, I know, it's very it, awkward. <laughs> Oscars be so white, you know. Um, well, 2016 was the Oscars so white year. Was it? Yes. It was the year that that Oscars happened, so technically it was 2015 yeah. films, but yeah. Well, Bartek, you're speaking Polish. We are both Polish. But here's the, here's, here's the thing. I don't speak it because I just don't want to. So I don't know what you're saying to me. Well, there's a decent balance. Like you don't speak Polish. To be honest, I don't actually speak spit. 
So, mm. you know, we cover we cover our grounds. Some say that we don't speak at all, and uh, we just make noises. <laughs> For two hours. <laughs> so, what is it? Give me the English one. You know, I'm not going to guess it this time. I, I have no guess ability of your Polish vernacular. Until I say it again. Kołszejczyno. Oh, man. I can't, man. You're, you're pressuring me too hard. What is it? What is it, pal? Well, assuming that, you know, some genius originally came up with this title and then they had to localise it to English, the localised title, which, you know, it's not actually localised, it's delocalised because the Polish one game second, is When the Bow Breaks. When the Bow Breaks? Oh my god, that 2016 classic with returning champ Morris Chestnut? Mm-hmm, the yummy Ooh. chestnut. Whoa, hold on, you're telling me that we're covering a Morris Chestnut film again? I love Morris and his chestnut. Yeah, and hopefully the full episode will come out this time. No, oh, don't, don't jinx it. It's not Polish land, so, you know. So, Bartek, do we have a guest? Do we have a guest? We have a guest, and that guest is an empty chair. Empty chair? Why you be so cool? Well, you see, Ryan, I like to... Empty chair, you, your job is to be quiet. Yeah, that's it. Empty chair, you stay quiet for the rest of the episode. That's your contribution to the show. Bartek, we got to get started on this. You guys that are listening to this, you need to get a copy of the 2016 film When the Bow Breaks. Get it, buy it, have it, own it, and you're going to um get your copy ready because I'm going to do a countdown, and when I say play... You're going to press play, and we're going to be synced up, and uh, we're going to talk about this glorious film. So get ready, because we're going to start in three, two, one, play. Hopefully they pressed play on the right thing. It's not like a video on YouTube of, like, the Windows Movie Maker sample video or something. No. No, we don't. We're not that good. Have you seen that video? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like the little Asian boy at a playground? No. I have, part, I've seen I've seen when the bow breaks. There's a part where he goes down the slide and goes. Wow, that was an emotional. That came with every copy of Windows XP. <laughs> I think it was XP. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful, man. Did when the bow breaks come with every copy of Windows 10? <laughs> I hope so, and I would really regret not having installed Windows 10 if that were the case. Yeah, well, you know, because it was free for a very long time. And then it wasn't. And they tried to force it on you. And they and did. I avoided it. And do you regret that decision? Yeah, I just said that, yeah. Yeah, I, you I should regret it. it because this film is a masterpiece. Now, this is a part of... This is going to be the last in our entry of Spooky Horror Month for October. This, uh, this film falls into the category of... Uh, one of my favourite categories of genres, which is erotic thrillers. Mm. Or... Oh, uh, this is even, but this is even more special, Bartek. This falls under the screen gems who are notorious for making gems. black erotic thrillers. Not black as in terms of dark content matter, but that's there too. But black in terms of, oh, black actors are in it. <laughs> some of their films involve um, some actors of note, such as uh, Idris Elba and or Beyonce. And Bales. Morris Chestnut is a staple of these films, which makes me feel good, because I've seen it be a staple of my life in Like Mike, and now it's a staple in my life again. 
That's two staples in my life. Yeah, you should, you know, put them in a stapler so you can actually use those staples. I can't, man. They're locked in. And also you don't have a stapler. Exactly. Hey, John. Hey. Um, Bartek, you're a fan of erotic thrillers. <laughs> don't tell anyone that, Ryan. Okay, I won't tell anyone. Don't up- You can't upload this on the internet anymore because I said Episodes that. banned. <laughs> and all the fans are like, gosh darn it, why do all the Morris Chestnut episodes not come out? <laughs> <laughs> because he's too hot to try. Now, I've got to lead into, you're, you're obviously a fan of erotic thrillers. Yeah. You're the one who said you love them, but I'm the fan. You know? You're the fan. You love them. <laughs> you love them so much that you're a fan. There you go. I love them so much I need Ryan to express it so that they know it's serious. It's serious time now. Now, Bartek, what I'm going to ask you is, what is it about erotic thrillers that makes you aroused and thrilled? Um, The sexual content, primarily. Is what makes you thrilled? Well, the aroused part. Okay, what the makes thrilling you... parts are what thrill me. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, Bart's sake. I was gonna say I'm a bit the... weird. Like I'm gonna that, say but... the dead cat aroused me, and mm. it thrilled me too. They should have, yeah. They should have. Um, what's the word? They should have stayed on that shot for a bit. Oh, see this gentleman in the grey suit there. Him. I think this is his so white. third time appearing on the show. Oh, really? The the bold the both bold the 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 the, the Ryan, black guy look, Ryan all these white people look the same the black guy he was in the tuxedo as Jackie Chan's friend at the start that you thought was going to be in the movie oh, that wait, we're never actually talking pe- about the black guy yeah the black guy oh, for some reason I really thought we were talking about the white guy I was talking about the guy in the gray suit <laughs> yeah the tuxedo guy wasn't he was he Jamaican yeah he was Jamaican yeah. in the tuxedo and he was also the doctor in the X <laughs> yeah. who you, went to the doctor in the X. Well, there was a few times that they went to the doctor in the film The X uh, at the hospital at the start. Oh, of course. A child was being born, right? Exactly. Yes. Talking about children being born. Great segue, Bartek. <laughs> this film's all about pregnancy and how cool it is. Everyone wants to get pregnant in this universe. You know, Morris Chestnut wants to have pregnancy. You know, Regina Hall wants pregnancy. You know, the the, 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 the the girl she wants pregnancy. Even her boyfriend wants pregnancy. Everyone's down for getting pregnant. Well, to be fair, the boyfriend's got a bit of an ulterior motive. but it, He's it, down it's, for it, though. It's a, yeah, it's achieved well, through pregnancy. Bartek, yes. we've all got ulterior motives when it comes to pregnancy. Mm. You know, even Morris Chestnut. And he's a saint. He's. Did you know that he's a good guy? Oh. Did you know that he's a good guy? If to, he did, the movie will tell you, but I want to tell you, if I could he's make, a good guy. If I could make a bold reference to last week's episode, I think David has some competition. Oh, we, oh boy. We've covered Unforgettable and When the Bow Breaks, both of them very similar films in terms of they both have two great guys. Yeah. They're wonderful. They're good guys. Yeah. Great guys. Here he is, the boyfriend. He doesn't like quiche, is what I'm imagining. Quiche isn't that great, but... Well, yeah, have you tried right. her quiche? I haven't, to be fair. Oh, she's hiding the tag. Uh-oh. I liked how Regina Hall could see the tag that's behind the woman's back. Like, mm. like she saw that and was like, oh. Maybe there's a secret, like, system of mirrors. I'll be honest. Us. When I first saw it, I didn't know what was happening with that. I thought that she was just, like, rubbing her shoulder. And Regina George gave... Uh, Regina Hall... Not Regina George. Regina Hall gave her a look like, uh-oh. 
she's got a weak back. <laughs> so she was, she's like, oh my god, I don't want her to have my baby. She's got a weak back. Well, with me, I always had, I had the, like the sympathy for her because you know sometimes you have those um, cramps. Not, not like not Aches. the not the tags, but the. You know, the, the things at the back of the shirt that says, like, oh, 100% poly. Yes. They're tags. They still count as tags. Yeah, well, not, like, price tags. But, yeah, sometimes you get, like, those really itchy ones. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, oh, you know, she's just adjusting it. Yeah, well, I, you know, we, we've all adjusted to the tag now. Uh, Bartek, what's your history with this 2016 film? I heard of it, not just from you telling me about it, but also that I believe I read about it in some of the comments from last week's episode. Oh, okay. Saying that this film, that, that that film was similar to this film because this film's a year older than that film. Ah, uh, yes, it is. That's true. Which, just to be clear, audience, Ryan wasn't just throwing out a random adjective. That film was called Unforgettable. No, I wasn't just saying that randomly. Oh, this is a very important scene. You see, here, the guy, the boyfriend, who's the character of Shades in Luke Cage. This guy just loves being the antagonist in black central dramas. Um, I don't know what it is. I guess he just hates black people. Um, so Shades from Luke Cage is giving a very important lesson here, which is have curtains. No one in this movie gets curtains. Like, there are so many times in which a curtain could save their yeah. lives. And there, there it's was a... great because they set it up here. They set up two... They set up a few things. They set up that Shades is a bit, you know, disingenuous. Not only is it because he's smoking, which in this environment seems like a bad thing because they're all about pregnancy. These are upper-class rich people and the smoking thing kind of denotes... Uh, a kind of negative quality about the individual, a sinister quality. He's talking about looking at women and all that, so he's very possessive of people. He's talking about the curtains, of course, that's set up, but also they already set up that this guy is into roofing and tiling, and he's setting up right here by noticing that that, that pipe there isn't on right. And he's right about that. He's 100% right about that because he's saying, hey, buddy, fix this pipe or you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night when it's pouring rain and fix it on a ladder in a storm. Yes, fix it so you don't have to fix it on the ladder in a storm. At night. <laughs> in the rain. And accidentally see boobs. And pussy. And listen, audience. We don't want to accidentally If you have to choose that. between fixing a pipe and fixing a pipe while seeing boobs and pussy, you better... At night in the rain. You better pick the former. Exactly. Because that's the morally correct choice. Um, yeah, so that scene was very quintessential to the film. Now... You were saying that you, you, you heard about the film just from reading the comments before and a little bit from me, no nowhere else? I, I mean, I'd he- I've heard of the song that the title mm. comes from. Oh, that's played beautifully in this movie. Yes, and I, I actually didn't put it together that that's from the song until it was sung. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is where the title comes from. Subtle. Subtle. This is what we call subtlety. And she sung it, and it was sung very slowly, so it gave you time to think. Um, I've heard about this film quite extensively. Mm. I my YouTube is a lot of um erotic thrillers, erotic thrillers, a lot of movie reviews. And Bartek, you'd be happy to know this. Uh, the first person I heard it from was Cinema Snob when he covered it in midnight screenings, I and noticed, he loved it. I noticed that it was an hour long. <laughs> Yeah, um, and the other one worth, uh, if you are interested outside of listening to her amazing commentary, is Double Toasted on YouTube did a really great review in which they described it as, ah, more of this black foolishness, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
Yeah, so that's my history. So I really wanted to cover this film because I am a big fan of the black erotic thrillers, but I've never watched one. <laughs> I've always wanted it's, to watch it's a concept one, but I that need, you're really behind. I just—it's one of those things that's like I feel like I need a reason to sit down and watch them, other than I just wanted to. And I feel like having a podcast that covers unappreciated masterpieces, and this is an unappreciated genre. I mean, whoa, that's like my mind blown. Yeah, you, well, just to let listening people know, Ryan did like a like a physical thing of I, his mind being blown. My mind being blown. If you want, you know, imagine the physical thing, and it kind of sounds like this. That's my brain popping on the inside, and my hands went boom, like well, my all, fingertips on my forehead around my temples, and then I just just let them fly into the air and wiggled them about. They didn't hit me in the face or anything, so that's you know talking about wiggling things about. They're going to put an embryo, The Last Embryo, which I think would be a great name for this film as well, The Last Embryo. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, the poster for this movie is really good, where they um, they have the, the, the evil psycho bitch in the red dress yeah. laying on, and the dress kind of drips down into the blackness. I think another one, if it was called The Last Embryo, would be like a little, little, like, um... What do they call them? Not fetuses. Yeah, fetus, I guess. Or what do they call them when they're actually inside a woman? They have a different name. I believe an embryo is what it's called earlier on, and then it becomes a fetus. There's a name in between. Like, one of those. And it's just of Morris (laughs) Chestnut looking afraid. And it's in the belly of the psycho chick. That would be a great poster. Yeah, that, that would be, a, that nice would be a great poster. A little bit of a disturbing thing for this erotic thriller. This, uh, as we call it, like a spooky dark film for this month. Oh, this film is dark, and not just because of the skin tone of the actors, but of the themes. Because, Bartek, pregnancy. Mm. What's... Okay, let's get serious now. We've been a bit energetic, but this is a serious movie as well. It does have lighter, lighter moments, but... This is a very serious thing. Pregnancy is played around a lot in this movie. It is the anchor point of everything. It's the reasoning why she has so much control because the storyline, for those not in the know, is surrogate surrogate goes crazy and takes over their lives and starts harassing them and wants Morris Chestnut to be her lover and wants him. And, and he's in a perfect like. And he's, marriage, and he's a perfect guy. We already say he's a great guy. Yeah. Good guy. Good yeah. guy. Not great. Good. Good denotes that means something different than great. And pregnancy. The goodest guy. The goodest. The gooderest guy. Bartek, with pregnancy. Yes. How do you. What's your kind of personal views on pregnancy? Like, how do you hold it? Like, the concept of pregnancy? Um. That's. I'm not really sure. What okay, you, well, you know how some people would say pregnancy is just like a natural thing, but then there are some who would say it's like the most important thing in mm. the world because it's the joy of carrying a life and all that. So, so I'll go with me first. My understanding for pregnancy, being a man, that's why it's really good that we're covering this because we're men. Yes. And this film's told through the perspective of a male character, and that's why it's okay. Because um, with us guys, this is part of my thing, with us guys, it obviously feels kind of weird to have any kind of 
uh, opinion or feelings or theories or all that uh, or beliefs yeah. about pregnancy. Especially but if you're like a politician who's like making laws about it. But I'm going to make a law right now. I think it's good. Let's breed. Uh, <laughs> I think it is uh, the one of, if not the most important aspects of life. Like, for someone to... I'm not saying that people who don't want to get pregnant or, or, or can't get pregnant and all that, that, that you're missing out on that. Like, I'm saying, like, the ability to conceive and all that is is one of the greatest things, if you want it, of course. It, it leads to what we call the next generation. Oh, I've heard of that Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's definitely people need to get pregnant in order for there to be more generations of human mm. hu- humans. I don't really have that kind of spiritual thing where I find it like the most... Like sacred, oh, like holy, holy, or whatever. The gods of pregnancy, or whatever. But I do, I completely understand the the kind of uh, the kind of I guess you see it in fiction and see it a little bit in life. That kind of frenzy and lunacy and craziness about a person when they are pregnant and about the people around them and how they react. And all that. I understand it. I don't really do it myself necessarily. Like, I've never been around pregnant people enough, but it was like, I get it. You, you, you're happy for this person being pregnant. Good on you. They're happy being pregnant. And if they're sad, I understand that too. You know, like it's one of those things. I think it is a, a, a core aspect of being an individual, especially if, you know. And yeah. And even if, you know, you're not really a big fan of pregnancy, we have this whole thing in society of, uh, or even just as a life motto, uh, tying back to the Godfather. This will become relevant, don't worry. I where, hope it does. Where he talks about, like, um, you know, respect is earned, not given. You have mm. to earn it. And in society, we sometimes have this whole thing of, like, oh, you know, respect uh, elders or politicians or whatever. And even on buses, they're like, save these particular seats for pregnant, yeah. disabled, whatever. It The pregnant people, I think they deserve that kind of extra respect of, like, you know, give your seat to them. Don't don't fuck with them in a way that will, you know, make them uncomfortable or something mm. like that. It's like, yeah, they're going through a nine-month period of carrying a life within them. Let's try not to fuck up that life. Yeah! And so, but yeah, and then you get, like, the whole issues of some... I guess I hear this more about America. They have, like, oh, you know, abortion laws and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They kind of take it a bit too far. Oh, because... you, you really want to... Bartek, you really want to talk about America when our whole entire shtick is that we're spit and polish and Poland is the worst when it comes to abortion stuff? Probably, but... I'll, oh, you know, they're I'm, terrible with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know they are. They're, they're very... They're very... You know you know how there is two wings, the left and the right? Mm. They like the right one? I, I'm just basically pulling out the scope of how people the, think of pregnancy. I'm not necessarily saying we have to talk about it. Oh, oh. But Bartek... What if we have all these beliefs that we have here, right? We hold them, like, this is what our, uh, our beliefs are. And this is what uh, our main character has this kind of belief to. John. Uh, you know, Morris Chestnut. He's playing himself. Mm-hmm. This is what Morris is also going through, especially as a male. I think it's also very important that we are both, obviously, men, and this is how we kind of perceive it from being the outside. Of course, we don't get to experience pregnancy First-hand, of course, but neither does Morris Chestnut. Didn't Arnold Schwarzenegger get two, though? Oh, you're right. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, the world has changed. Um, 
but what I'm saying is, nor does Morris Chestnut. He doesn't experience this. And, and I think what's interesting about this film is he holds all these beliefs and understandings and whatever as well. But when you enter in the fact that the carrier of the child is a psycho bitch, it can topple those beliefs and challenge you in many different ways and make you act out in ways that you never knew that you would. And that is what this story is about. Like, there are points in which Morris Chestnut and even and even the wife are kind of like, look, we want the child. Yes, we definitely do. But are we willing to go through this? Yeah. Are we? Is, is, is the idea of a child, is the idea of pregnancy, is all this worth this? Yeah, and they, they also threw out, like, the kind of three parties thing going on here with that whole cycle. There's the... Uh... Obviously, the carrier, the psycho bitch. Mm-hmm. There's the father, you know, the guy who gave the sperm, and and the mother who cannot conceive, but she gave the the embryo. embryo yeah, and it's like usually when we talk about, oh, we're pregnant, we're gonna have a child. It's usually those two parties. Yeah, when you bring in a surrogate, and that surrogate's crazy and doesn't necessarily have the um, well, she has an emotional attachment, but mm. doesn't have it, it. She's not basically considered the official parent yeah then yeah they've got kind of a different leverage i guess i do love how the film does point out the fact that she then you know being true and all that that she can just take the baby because she's the one who birthed it and yes it may be oh yeah, yeah. your when- embryo maybe your sperm and all that but it's her baby at the end of the day because she bir- carried and birthed it and i just love how you know a lesser film hmm. a lesser film could have ignored that aspect, could have foregone that, you know, could have just went, nah, let's just, you know, all forgot about it and all that kind of stuff. And this film's, it's a it's a few steps ahead mm. of the audience as well, because sometimes the audience will be thinking, well, you know, what about this thing? And then the film actually tells you, isn't that great? Yeah, and, the, you know, this film, amazing film, doesn't need to jump to an amazingly poetic explanation or anything like that. Mm. There's that one scene where, yeah, they were talking about, like, when does it become a kidnapping? And the guy just gives a blunt, oh, never. Yeah. Very simple. This scene here, too, like, this film shows the tragic nature of the law and how it does and does not work. In this scene here, it's revealed that her partner, Shades from Luke Cage, has beat her and he's going to be arrested, And but he's going to get bail out again. And the only thing to really stop him is if, well, he hits her again and she has to call the cops again. That's what the cops says. Like, oh, well, nothing we can do unless, you know, he makes bail, but if he tries to harm you again, uh, we'll arrest him again. And that's it. Like, that's the cycle of the law. There's only so much that it can do. And that's why... Like, this scene is very important because it sets up the principle of things, this kind of continuing cycle of being trapped in an awkward position because of the law doesn't fully work in that kind of way that it needs to in in the situation of the story. Yeah, and even back last week when we did Unforgettable, there was a whole thing about, you know, the law not necessarily being on the hero's side because of misunderstandings or assumptions that is going on it just goes to show you they're there to uh serve and protect but you know when when you don't have all the information bad things can happen and even similar thing happens later in the film where uh psycho bitch what's it laura anna 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 uh anna walsh uh which isn't her real name either (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's her it's a pseudonym. Mm. Um, yeah, she she you know, runs out of her house screaming, "He's hit me! Get him away from me!" And <laughs> the police are like, "Sir, back off." Oh well, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, here's here's something I really wanted to talk about. That scene that just happened just now, where Shades goes all psycho and well, and he hit her, and we didn't see that. But you know, did you think that was going to lead to anything in particular? Well, I think, you know, another thing that I should mention about me walking into this film is I did walk in knowing that it was going to be in some way similar to Unforgettable, but mm. I didn't have the exact details. Yeah. So I had this idea of, well, someone's clearly going to be crazy. Mm. I didn't, like, through trailers or the marketing of the film, is it obvious that the the surrogate mother isn't psycho? Um, or is that kind of hidden? Nah, I think it's obvious, yeah. Okay, because for me, I didn't look at any of that, so I was w- watching this being like, so who is the antagonist? And it was only like when that beating happened that I'm like, oh, oh so is it him? Because at one point, like, I was thinking, okay, is it is it the surrogate mother in like a lesbian thing with the wife? Because they seem to get along. <laughs> then this yeah. happened, and I was like, oh, okay, so maybe it's him. And then and when she right. kills him, it's like, oh, it's her. Ah, and I, yeah. I guess that could have been avoided if I watched the trailer. And in fact, when I was looking at YouTube comments, there were many that said very similar thing to Unforgettable. The trailer told the whole story. Yeah. But yeah, so that was me being blind on that level as well. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's good, you know, because the story needs to show itself. I really appreciated that this film took its time. Mm. It doesn't just go straight to she's crazy. Like it has those little, little things about her. The way the actress kind of plays her, such as I don't know if you notice this, but every time she's doing something a little bit shady or a little bit tipping the hat of what she's really like. She has her hair out slightly. Like, it gets more and more out the more you know about her. So eventually there comes a scene in which she goes to the party wearing the wife's dress and her hair's fully out at that point. She has it really tied back and making her look meek and kind of, you know, conservative and polite. And then when she's doing shady stuff or doing some naughty stuff or doing something that kind of reveals her inner nature, her hair is out more and more and more until it's fully out and then we're revealed to the full person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before we start... Doesn't he look like Adam Sandler's son? (laughs) Like shades? He just... (laughs) He looks like a... Like like young Adam Sandler. He looks a a bit like Wentworth Miller. From Prison Break, but like yeah. he smiles a bit because he's a bit crazy. Maybe Adam Sandler Wentworth Miller had a son. Wentworth Miller is gay, so maybe. And I don't know Adam Sandler. <laughs> he <laughs> likes to pretend he's straight. <laughs> I'm this son. <laughs> it's me. I play assholes like my dad. Which one? There's <laughs> no reply. <laughs> but and he's lovable. Adam Sandler is. So it's Wentworth Miller. No, is that the actor's name? Or the character? <laughs> Wentworth Miller. That's the actor. His character was Michael Schofield in Prison Break. Was, didn't one of the Prison Break actors kind of just fall off the radar and just became, I think, homeless? I don't really know much about... Disappeared. I don't really know much about any of the Prison Break actors, to be completely honest. I never watched it, because I was like, wait, they get out of the prison after a certain season, and they're still calling it Prison Break? Yeah, the the even-numbered seasons, uh, they're not in prison. 
uh, they're on the run and then they get captured and then they're thrown in prison again. <laughs> For season three, which was only like 12 episodes long, I think. Uh, was that the last one? No, season four was the last one. Uh, were they free? Yeah. Are they free forever? Uh... I remember that they were working with Homeland Security, so maybe... Oh, uh, good for them. It's been almost ten years since I watched it. Uh, well, you got to get up to date, buddy. But here's the thing about this film. This has so many cogs going in it. It has so much foreshadowing. It has so much building up and paying off. They show the cat a lot. And you're thinking, well, how's this cat going to play into it? Like... Does it have a name? Because he just says, I don't have time for you right now, cat. And I'm thinking, well, clearly the cat doesn't have a name. Because who just calls their cat just cat? A smart person. Did you ever call your cat just cat? Uh, like he did? Like, that's how he, like, uh, what I said was verbatim. is like, I don't have time for you, for you right now. Cat. Not in that. Like, uh, the only ways that I could possibly relate is saying, like... I have a cat. No, or, or like, looking at it and say, like, here, kitty, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 but you don't call him cat. No, you I didn't call him cat, so it's just like, that's weird, right? And then they reveal that it's a female cat, and that it has a missus. Yeah. I, I can't uh, remember the exact name, but it was a missus. Um, it was... Oh. Did it begin with F or something? Mrs... Something? I don't know. Uh, for some reason, I, want to, I keep thinking of actual names of the cats in the Broadway musical Cats. I was it, like, was it Mrs. Mrs.stopheles? I, I think it had some sophisticated name. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this is a rich, rich house, you know. I really wanted it to be Mrs. Fuzzy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> the wife of the Nine Lives cat. Mm. Um, you know, look at the way the actress portrays this character. You know, they give little hints. Like, she gives these looks. Like, when they first showed her in the video... You, you can understand in context why she has this kind of weird look on her face because she's talking to someone off camera who's being really intimidating and all that. But also, you can kind of see looking back upon the rewatch, or if you already knew, that she's got... A, clearly, something's missing there. Something, something's loose in, in behind those eyes, you know? Yeah. And that's just good, good acting. That's just great acting. And I think, you know, the film has a beautiful look to it. The colours pop. The music. Oh boy. What I love about the music, Bartek, I don't know if you noted down how good the music was in this movie, but in a normal erotic thriller like we've done on the show, like Unforgettable and The Boy Next Door, they have your typical suspenseful music. But Mm -hmm. this, even in the thrilling scenes, except for one, and I'll point it out later, um... They have upbeat music. They have this kind of like chimey, ching, ching, da, 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 like something you would find on like by Kevin MacLeod on free music, and that's a good thing because it contrasts nicely with the visual representation of what's happening on the screen. It is such a beautiful little touch because most erotic thrillers have that. Or the like the strings and whatever, but this film is just. Meanwhile, she's like, "I will stab myself with these scissors to kill your baby." And it's kind of really nice. I don't know if you noted it down at all. Uh, I wasn't paying as much attention to the music, but that is certainly something that would make this film stand out. In the world of, I was going to say erotic thrillers, but I think cinema in general. 
It's, it is. It stands out for cinema in general. I mean, what a beautiful film this is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not like you're going the full silly of taking, like, the gonk from Dawn of the Dead, but, you know, it's it's, it's something, like you said, Kevin MacLeod kind of, like, free-sounding music. Yeah. Something that you're not expecting. Hmm. And I think... I think going simple, but also unexpected, is a unique way to go about it. Yeah. Now... You went into this blind. I knew that she was going to go crazy. Mm. Did the build-up... Was the build-up worth it for the payoff in the end? Because it is a surprise... It was a genuine surprise for you to learn that she was the antagonist. Yeah, well, and yeah, especially since what I assumed to be, you know, that one twist of the film being that she's working together with her boyfriend, Mike, or whatever you call them, Shades. Let's call him Adam Sandler Jr., so Sandler Jr. Uh, Adam Schofield. No, yeah. that's the character. Adam Miller. Let's call Wentworth. him. Let's call him Wentworth Sandler. Wentworth Sandler. Mm. W S. Well, that makes it sound like W S Anderson. Paul W S Anderson, <laughs> my favorite director. I no, thought, I'm sorry. I'm thinking yeah, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Whoops. <laughs> to get on the the big twist, I thought the big twist of the film, being blind to it, was that you know she's working together with him on a scam. Yeah. I wasn't expecting her to you know kill him off soon after that reveal. But Bartek, to... she's the brains. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she becomes the brains. She was the brains. That's the other twist. She was the brains all along. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, the the scam was going to be the big conflict of the film. Not so much mm. that that's kind of not really a red herring because it is important for a while, but it is a very essential because she still uses the scam idea to be the threat at the end. Still. Well, yeah. She she continues the idea of threatening, but it's not so much that she's after money. Because she no. legitimately falls in love with our hero. Mm, Morris Chestnut. But I was like, I just want to point out, this was the sequence. Actually, the sequence before when she was in the bathtub. Fun fact, not the only time she's in the bathtub. Mm. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, this is when she's like revealing to be crazy. Because I, I love this. She's reading a self-help book. And it's just like, be yourself, be the real you. And I'm like, oh no, the dark arts of self-help are at it again. And I turned to my girlfriend, who's very much into reading those kind of those kind of books. I just went, see what happens when you read these? You become a psycho bitch. And I think really deep down, during some of her psychotic moments, she recites those words from the book. And I think like it is a real testament to writing in general that they included that like she has her uh she's not just crazy she comes from a a very disturbed background whether that background that we learn is true or not because Mm. this character is known to be a deceiver um i think it's really telling that the character has uh, a, a, an ideology that is built on self-motivation and self-preservation, but it is conflicted with the fact that she is dependent on the love and attraction of Morris Chestnut. Mm. Yeah, and also with that scene there, that that kind of contributed to my idea of, like, is she in love with the wife so much that, like, she's wearing her clothes and, like, rubbing up against her clothes? <laughs> like... I, I, that was still where my mind was at that point. Dude, I would love it to turn into a three-way at the end, <laughs> where the wife's like, look, I love that I love that scene at, near the end, I'm just for that reference, look, 
you have to do what you have to do. Just don't tell me about it when you're done. And I'm like, three-way? That's what he should have said. (laughs) Three-way? And she's like, no, she hates me. But have you tried a three-way with her? That would have been... Or a threesome. I don't know. Which one's more classy, do you think? Because this is a classy... They're classy people. Do you think three-way or threesome? Which one's the classier word to use for having sex with three people? Three people having sex. Maybe three-way... Three-way. Maybe. Mm. For some reason, I'm the opposite. I think threesome is classier. I don't know. Well, three-way makes it kind of sound like, oh, you know, like kind of a freeway when you're driving, like <laughs> regulations and laws. Whereas threesome just makes it sound like, hey, let's get together and fuck three people. I don't know. Oh, see, I feel like that with three-way, where three-way is just like, yeah, just... Three of us having a way off with each other and just like... Three-way literally makes me think of... Imagine imagine this. It just makes me think of three bodies just running at each other and just their dicks and vaginas and they just go like this. Like, that's what I think of. Well, threesome, I feel like there's going to be some music there. Some candles are going to be lit. They're going to think about how they're going to do this. Basically, here's the summary of what I think of them. Three-way... You need a license. Threesome, it's something that, like, Chef from South Park would do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... Yeah, sure, why not? Um, That's a good opinion to have. I still think threesome is, like, a really romantic kind of way to go about it, while three ways is like, You wanna fuck Bill? Yeah, I do, Jeanette! Can I be there too? Yeah, you can, Bob! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, should, they should, really should have established that Bob could be part of it earlier. <laughs> no. They're, I they're, think that would have been That's the problem with three ways. They just happen kind of like, yeah, 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 grab a dick, grab a pussy. I've got a license too, so I can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not you, Bill. Yeah, you've still got a learner's permit. <laughs> you can watch. You can masturbate. You can masturbate. Does that still count as a three-way? Yeah. In the same way as... You know, two people having sex in a bedroom while a person's in the next room watching TV masturbating is, I guess. Well, no, but They're very different. close, but, you Well, know. it's different because he's... Well, no, no. Like, I think it's a bit different because what we set up originally was a three-way's happening and they're saying you can watch and masturbate, which in turn is kind of like a part of the whole sexual act experience together because... He's obviously getting off on watching others, and they may be getting off on watching him getting off on about them, which in I think makes it a whole kind of thing. While what you're saying like is someone system. else, while well, someone else in the house is wanking off about something else, or he could be watching them on TV. Like I don't know, you just said he's watching TV and wanking off. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of added the wanking at the end. Yeah, it was just TV. Originally. I love how you had wanking at the end. Just turn to a random channel. I don't know, Blue's Clues. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Give me the blue! I got the blue balls! Give me your clues! It's over there. It's on the mailbox. It's on the mailbox. I never watched Blue's Clues, so oh. I never knew that Blue was supposed to be a girl dog. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a boy dog. Clearly, it looks like a boy dog because they're blue, I guess. But I was the dum-dum. I was too busy watching Hey Arnold. Mm. Hey Arnold's also a boy, so don't get that mixed up. Fun fact. Even though he looks like he's wearing a skirt. He does look like he's wearing a skirt. <laughs> Fun fact, this scene's great because... Oh, yeah, the, the big reveal, as I thought it was going to be. Is, you know, this gaming. See, I thought with the earlier scene and his character in general, I thought he was jealous about Morris Chestnut. I thought he was kind of like, 
feeling like he first saw her being dropped off and he was like hold Morris Chestnut was holding her arm and he kind of was like with the dog and like I thought if you're in the perspective of his character he may have a jealousy towards Morris Chestnut, Chestnut thinking he's encroaching on my woman he's impregnated her and now he's kind of like who knows what he's up to kind of thing and so and I thought okay he's an overprotective jealous kind of guy or I, I also thought, oh, this is all a ploy. Beating her so that she can then be brought into the home, then to make them trust her even more kind of thing. But then in the end, it just turned out he was an... He, I was wrong. He's just an asshole. And sometimes that's good. Because in films, in fiction, we can... Uh, Overanalyze a character. We can we could put the writer and the audience could put too much into a character. When life isn't always like that. Sometimes people are just assholes. They don't need a tragic backstory. They don't need a giant motivation. Some people are just are just dicks. You know what's a beautiful thought, Ryan? You just talked about there like the whole overthinking something, and I, I feel like that would come from watching so many films. Like, you get used mm-hmm. to where you, you know the tropes, you know the kind of... Uh, the conventions that would be at play, and, you know, how many films has one seen in life? Even if we, you know, don't know, we can say, two of us, like, oh, yeah, we've seen at least 86 films for this show alone. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you watch films outside of this? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But Wow, be- I didn't know that. But the thing that I think would be beautiful is imagine the person who this is the first film they see, how they would think of all these characters. Man, a four-year-old watching this would be blown away, not only because they shouldn't be watching it, but also the concepts are too high for them. But That's a good point, but what about a hypothetical, let's say, 18-year-old who for some reason has never seen a film? Well, I think they'll be very aroused. Um, Do they know what the (laughs) concepts of film are? Yeah, I'm probably because if I showed it to an 18 year old that's never seen film or TV, would they be like, ah, witchcraft, moving images? Ah. Oh, true, but I, I myself, I've not necessarily ever been to a concert, but I know what concerts are. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that's what I'm clarifying. Like the kid understands the yeah. concept of film. I think he would be aroused if it's a boy, especially. Uh, I think he would be aroused. I think it may make him uncomfortable, but that's the nature of the film. Not every film is about leisure. Well, yeah, they'd be uncovered. They're still getting over the fact, like, oh, Morris Chestnut's walking towards me. I should get out of the way. Oh, oh no. It's like, that's his train pulling into whatever station from 19-whatever. Hmm, exactly. Also, this gentleman here was also in The 40-Year-Old Virgin as well. Uh, we haven't done that on the show because it's too good. But um, I just want to point out what a legend this guy is. He's done 50 things, I, I think, and they're all great he's great in all of them, especially this film. Like, he has a minor role, very minor, but very essential role. 50 is bigger than 40, which is in 40-year-old virgin, so that's... Well, he was up to 40 when he did 40-year-old virgin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And now he's up to 50 with this. Isn't this tasty? Bartek, I just wanted to point this out. Did you think it was peculiar at all that they never let anyone know that they were having a surrogate until... Push came to shelf. You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but now that you mention it... Because is... they pretend that, oh, it's my cousin or whatever. It's like, why can't they just say... See, I, I just interpreted that as being like a on-the-fly excuse when she turns up to his workplace. Yeah, but why? But now that you mention it, yeah, if she'd never... If he, yeah, 
if he'd never established that, you know, we have a surrogate, then he wouldn't have to come up with that on-the-fly excuse in the first place. Well, I I think it's an off-screen kind of thing of the couple, because she's also um, not telling anyone. Like, she could have done it at this party. And I think she may have, may was, like, was about to, but then she came in in the dress and she got a bit cranky about it. Uh, but I find it very peculiar that, that, that they never shared this, but it seems in the world that they've created that it's very well known that these people have had a very hard time conceiving a child. Mm. Uh, do you, Could it be? Again, I'm not familiar with this world of surrogacy. I'm imagining you're not very familiar with the world of surrogacy personally. Mm. Could it be that using a surrogate maybe in the upper class society or just in American society or just in society is kind of a thing that's looked down upon. I would imagine that if any type of family would look down upon it, it would be kind of like a rich Mm. family who cares about, I don't know, their blood. Yeah. Like with the embryo thing, it still has the surrogates like blood and genes in it. Right. I, well, I mean, we're not science guys, so we can't say for sure. No, I think it's it's their child, but she's just carrying it. So none of her genes would, like, be part of the child? No, I think it's his sperm and her embryo. Yeah. Mm. Just in this woman. Yeah, I think that's it. Again, I'm not, again, I'm not as familiar, yeah, like, we... you know, like, I've never... Uh, that's how I, I've always under... Uh, I've under stood the idea but we could be wrong i mean i guess if you're a surrogate tell me <laughs> i guess another thing to point out there is us you know brainstorming how surrogacy is perceived we wouldn't really have ever thought about that i suppose like i brought up the question and we both kind of don't have a solid answer yeah so i, I guess it's kind of not a co- i guess either it's not a common thing or it isn't talked about because of any preconceived notions yeah, it, maybe it could have something to do with like the uh, barren wife, uh, not uh, maybe feeling inferior or like useless. Mm. I don't know. But they both seem very happy that they're going to be parents. Also, they're just going to have a kid randomly. Like this is one thing. Like, what's their long-term strategy here? They must have one to then be like, okay, we're going to go with surrogate. Were they not going to tell anyone and then just be like, we have a baby now? Well, th- I mean, there is the baby shower scene. Yeah, but that's uh, later when push comes to shove, I think, when he has to say, yeah, she's my surrogate because he gets told off for the videos that were sent to him at work. Was that, was the baby shower after that? I, I want to actually look out for that, actually. Let's, let's, mm. let's note that down. But for him, at least, he doesn't reveal it until he has to. For her, she doesn't seem to. And those were her family members, I think, as well. Like, not her... It was a lot of people. Oh, no, it was his family. His family as well. It was because Mm. his... I want to say mother handed her the bear and was like, this is great, grandfather, father, 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 and all that. Oh, here's my... One of my favourite scenes. I love this. (laughs) Can we just please appreciate Morris Chestnut's facial acting throughout this whole sequence? He doesn't have to tell us with words what he's feeling and what he's going through. We see it in that face. Mm. This is a versatile actor. He can do stuff like erotic thrillers and children's films. Like that. 
man, yeah, he he doesn't get covered in paint in this one, but he he certainly got a colorful uh, range of emotions. Like, look, he's kind of looking here, like, oh, I shouldn't be looking at this, but he keeps looking, mm. and like. It's not so obvious in this sequence, this moment in the sequence, that she's doing this on purpose, knowing that he's going to be there. Until... And he's like, oh no, I shouldn't be looking at this, but I I, kind of can't look away. And then, oh... This is the moment in which he he realises that she's properly crazy. This moment is when he... Like, they see... And he's just, like, blown away. Look at him. So many emotions. And he doesn't fix the pipe. He was stepping down just now. <laughs> Look at his face. I thought... Oh, baby. I'm scared. He's scared. <laughs> He's like, I just saw some titties and... and, uh, and uh. Wouldn't it be surprised he saw a dick on her? That's how he's like, oh, boy. That would be a really big question I would ask the doctors that impregnated her at the start about. Well, maybe she's got both. But you were going to say something? I thought that he'd fixed the pipe just before he saw her. No, he just climbed up the ladder. And then looked. He I, didn't even get to really wiggle about. He just kind of wiggled. I he did. Maybe it was too dark. I don't know. Yeah, I thought he just got on the ladder, wiggled it a bit, and then saw her. Was like, oh boy. I thought it was just a thing of like, oh, just adjust it a bit and be fine. But maybe not. Maybe that's the big question of the film. Maybe that's why it's not appreciated. People don't know if the pipe was fixed. Uh, yeah. And you know that's and you know the sad thing that's not even an important thing. So if that is the problem of the film, that's very stupid. Well, no, it's People a it's a payoff to a setup, so it's very important. Well, obviously, yes, it does contribute. But if you're if you are watching this film and you're concerned about was that pipe fixed or not, your priorities are off. But I've got a major priority I want to talk to you about right now. Why do they have just vases that are full of lemons and oranges? They're vases. See. Those canvas vases? I get, you know what? No, that is weird. Why is it so tall? <laughs> Why not have a bowl? <laughs> <laughs> they have a bowl to put his keys in. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, what would you call them? I guess you could call them, like, glasses. I su- but they're a vase, right? A giant goblet? Glass goblet? No! They're just a vase. I guess they. I, I look. If someone who was a vase expert or a vase, I, I don't want to get into this argument right now. Mm. Came up to me and went, "They're clearly not a vase. Did you not note the structural integrity of it? It's clearly a container." Uh, we're like, "Okay, okay, so I don't about, mind." What, Ryan, what about this for a hypothetical? I let's say you you and Ra- you and your girlfriend Rachel move to a new house. And, okay. And I and I come to visit you first time at the house, and I I'm like, guys, I, I brought you a housewarming present. Okay. And I bring and I bring you that thing, and I'm like, here you go. Um, what would I do with it? And then you know I hang out with you, then I go home, and then you're like, oh, fun time with Bartek. He's so great and handsome. Uh, and then you then you two look at the thing, and it's like, all right, now let's blank with this thing. Like, well, what are you gonna? What do you? What would you do with it? Just this huge empty glass thing. I didn't say what it is. You, you know what? You I, know if you want the honest reaction, I would legitimately. With my girlfriend, we would talk and complain about it for hours. <laughs> Being like, what the fuck are we going to do with this? That's what step one would be. Then my girlfriend would Google it and Did, determine what, what she five different answers. Okay. She would determine in her studies five different things that we could do with it. Use none of them and do something really peculiar with it. Like my girlfriend, here's what she would do. She would 
And I, this is what, what I would do would just let her do whatever, because I don't care. I clearly don't care. I don't want this house. She would probably do something strange, like, oh, I'm going to make tons of origamis and then shove them in there as oh, an artwork in itself. Thing, yeah. That's what she would do. Just so that she could pass the time and feel like she did something with it. And then you would come and be like, no, no, silly, it's for lemons. <laughs> and then we would be the fools. No, no, and we, I mean my girlfriend, because week, I was not involved. A week later, I'd come, I'd visit you, we'd hang out the whole day. And just as I'm leaving, I'm like, by the way, I, I don't get you with the, the no. present. Then I'd just leave without saying another thing. It's no, like, no, no, here's the real world. Here's the real world. This is going to be the real world. You come here, you're going to leave, and you see that sitting on the bench near the near the, the, the table, near the door, and you go, you see it full of origami, and you go, oh, that's what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I see happening, or legitimately. Another... You'll be like, oh, or something like, oh, okay. Like, that's or, what you do with or it. Or another thing, I like, come, you know, one week after giving you the present with a bag full of lemons, I'm like, hey, I got you a thing, and then I see what you're doing with it, I'm like, Great, now what are you going to do with these? And I leave angrily. Well, like, Bartek, you know what they say. When life give you, gives you lemons, make out with the lemons and leave. Or when Bartek gives you lemons, you know... No, no, no. It, when Bartek gives you a vase, when Bartek use gives you, lemons. No, when Bartek gives you a thing that you think is a vase. No, <laughs> Some when, glass when container. Bartek, when Bartek gives you lemons, it probably means that he gave you something earlier for you to use the lemons on. Oh, I just want to point out something. This film must be set around... Am I a fool? Is this film set around Halloween? Because on their fireplace, they have a giant pumpkin mm. above it. So is, is this it, a Halloween it, movie? Is it in a vase? No, it's just a pumpkin on its on its own. Oh, it might be Halloween. It's maybe. near vases. If that makes you feel any better. Well, now that brings it all into question. That brings everything that you knew. Also, is that just a giant map on their wall? No, that's, that's a... That's a whiteboard, isn't it? Is that a whiteboard? Or is that a painting? No, no, no. It's a post... It's like a poster thing. Like, it's got the creases and stuff. So it's kind of like... What is that? <laughs> I thought it was just like a... Yeah, I don't know what that is. I thought it was... I don't know anymore. This film has great mise-en-scene. You know? Like... This film really well, We already is know about art. that because of the vase glass things. And the pumpkin that represents Hallow's Eve. All of it. Or the harvest, I don't know. That's what... Oh, the scarf. I like how he had to hide it. Like, why? <laughs> the wife's like, what do you got behind him? Scarf. It's like, I know what that scarf is used for. Uh, one of the best things I've ever heard about this movie it's is from pretty much prints. all the reviews. Most of the reviews point out, it's like, bitch, this ain't real. If that was a real black wife, she would be like... Honey, like, he's like, what are you hiding behind your back? And then, like, he would have to, like, show the scarf, and then it would just be hours of arguing. Like, that's what most of the reviews, like, like, are just like, please, like, she wouldn't notice the shifty shit he's getting up to. I thought this was a dream sequence to begin with. I'm like, ooh, okay, she's dreaming about drinking and then getting attacked, but then it was real. You know, it was a real thing. Also, Bartek. Editing is an essential aspect of film. This has beautiful um, cinematography, but it has my favorite cut in a movie. And I mean this. Yeah? You're going to see it in a moment. Uh, so this is a little back and forth. You know, he's like pretty much, 
hey, you know that thing I said earlier? I'm saying it again just to remind you to do it. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, this is literally the same conversation, but now I'm having it at their house. And I tell you to clean up. That's the important thing about the cut. Mm, oh, yeah? Because... She doesn't cut herself in the glass, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, how come he, How come it wasn't the vase full of lemons and then lemons fall everywhere and then he says, clean up? Because she wasn't holding it. No, but wouldn't it be great if she was holding it? Like, like that could have then... Oh, it could have been like, what is this? Wouldn't it be great if she's like, I don't know what this is. Then she, she, she drops it and then he's like, clean whatever that was up. Like, clean... Wait, what was that? Was that a glass? With lemons in it? I don't know, honey, it was made of glass. It was made of glass, I guess. If you don't, I'll get my dad Adam Sandler onto you and he'll put you in one of his Netflix movies. No, I have a promising career ahead of me. Show did I. (laughs) It's like, and I'm in all the Netflix shows now. And his other dad, Wentworth Miller, gets to do a fifth season of Prison Break. Oh, they're doing another one. I think so. Oh, great. Which uh, is weird because, spoiler alert, he, he dies at the end of the fourth season. Oh, no. Now, here's the cut. So, he's like, clean it up. Now, here it is. This is a beautiful shot. It feels very angelic. And then it's fading into white. Ooh, we're panning up to the broken glass. And that's the cut. Because I love that they actually show her cleaning up. And you're thinking, oh, is she going to be, like, cutting herself? with? No. She just picks up two shards of glass, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. They literally could have... And then she's they cut... sad, a terrible thing happened, but she's obedient. I love that. That's my favourite cut in all of film. And then, get this, Vartek, my second favourite cut in all of film is also in this movie. I'm not going to give it all away, but it involves a certain actor called Michael K. Williams, and it's great. I love the fact that we just saw him harass her, and then it cuts to, like, his night out. Mm. And then it is just basically, it's like, he threatened her, then she just ends him. Also, I love that the dog doesn't want any part of it. The dog clearly didn't realise what part of the script they were at. It was like, oh, this is this is where my owner dies. But so I'm on now. But he runs away before the owner's and dead. And I like the dog never comes back. Like, they go back to his house, like, what I would assume is six or seven months later. And... The dog's not there? I, I imagine, Ryan, there would be some smart-ass riffers watching this film blind and being like, Being like, oh. clearly it's a gated community, so they no, have, no, no, like, like, a dog patrol. Oh, clearly this is Chekhov's dog, just wait. He's gonna come back later. Little did you know, it was actually the Chekhov's cat in the movie. the red herring dog, yeah. Yeah, he's the red herring dog, you know. There's a dog in the first act, and then he never comes back again. Dude, what if... And I don't know if any film's ever done this, but... Stab someone? Yeah. No, what if... Wait, films have had people stabbed? I know, it's a surprise. It's one of the first things that they did on film, actually. Wow. Whoa. No, but what if what if you have a Chekhov's gun that is literally a red herring? Oh, I thought you were going to say a Chekhov's gun that's literally the dead body of like Chekhov. Could be, could and be you a... have him moulded into, like, they've carved his bones into a gun. Like, what if at the end, like, you know, it's like, oh, look at my red herring. It's a, His name is Pet Frank. Boot. <laughs> And then later on, there's a vampire that can only be killed by red herring. Oh, I like it. Mm. I like that he's clearly there, and then later, they can't see the dead body that should be, like, directly in sight. Like, they're flashing lights down later, and they have to go all the way down to see him. You know, idiot me, for some reason, I thought she threw him off the stairs in front of the porch. 
Um, like outside on the street. But now I realize, oh wait, it's the it's the basement clearly. Yeah, clearly. Here she's gonna quote the self help again. I am happy. Yes, she is. Bartek. I'm happy, yes. Are you are you happy? Are we doing this like a backwards episode? I answer the question and you ask it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I... listening people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bartek, I'm gonna press the record button now. <laughs> Alright, I'm ready for the episode, Ryan. Whenever you're ready. Oh, oh, that was a nice sleep. I can't wait for the podcast with Bartek later today. Ryan, let me in. <laughs> fucking what? I went from... I went from... Me asking you... The, you answered the question. It went from me... You answered the question. Me asking the question. Me pressing the record button. You arriving at my house talking about how you're looking forward to the movie. Then I skipped to me waking up this morning... And you then went back to you knocking at my door oh, I thought you were to just, come in. I thought you were just having a nap before the episode begins. Like, Oh, yes. Me. No, no. I was saying, oh, I can't wait to look for the ball. No, no, no. You know what? I'm the fuck up because you skipped to last week's podcast. <laughs> oh, and God. I'm the fool. And then, no, no, no. Go with that again. Knock, knock. Let, let me in, Ryan. Let me in, Ryan. Knock, knock. Okay, Bartek. I think we should make a podcast. In which we do feature like the audio commentaries for movies that seemingly don't deserve it. Hey, nice to meet you, Ryan. I'm Bartek. <laughs> goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga. It's a boy, Mrs. Flowinski. <laughs> oh, Bartek, we're so happy that you. What month were you born in? September. September. June, July, August. Oh, Bartek, we're so happy that you're four months old now. <laughs> I like yeah I like with that one you didn't go further back in time you went the exact same time in September just to prove that you're also older than me it's not like you went to like your conception or the birth of the universe it's like no no that's when the time skipping stops it stops where you were born also yeah that's a good point Morris Chestnut rocks three piece suits tasty he was born before us, too, so I should have gone to his birth. Well, was he? He Probably. seems ageless. He looks like he didn't like Mike. I mean, I watched Like Mike as a kid, and he was grown up there, so he's clearly older. But maybe we were the grown-ups, and he was the kid all along. Well, he adopted a kid. I couldn't have done that when I watched the film. Well, you can now. Yeah, I can now. That See? And he's still an adult in that movie. And, guys, let's be honest. Wouldn't an adopted kid be lucky to have me as a dad? You know, this film really could have all been solved if they were just willing to adopt. <laughs> like, you know what? Screw surrogate parents. Let's get a foster parent. Anna Walsh online. Could I ask, with when they bring up the videos that they've seen them in, you know, he's mm-hmm. about to get in trouble. When they mention the whole thing of, like, she's with... She was going to see a... What was it? Like, a doctor that... She was seeing... For her checkups and all that kind of stuff with the birth she was seeing the the they were, she was using the medicine and all that stuff that they are taking to court taking that to court so it makes him look bad was that established before then yes okay i, I yes it was but very subtly it didn't have as much focus i guess so that was that no, was no, it was called subtlety so a subtle bit of a checkoff's gun yeah yeah why are you lying to me and then she gives the biggest lie of them all. I'd never lie to you, John. 
But she's been lying the whole time, bro. You know what Kanye West said? Gold diggers. And that's all he said. He never actually said anything else, Kanye. He only said one word. The Gold only, diggers. You know, the only Kanye West song that I know of, the name of is only one word. It's Gold diggers? It's power. Well, gold diggers is two words, right? No, I think it's spelled as one word in that song. Oh, does he actually have a song called Gold diggers? You don't know Gold Diggers? I literally just said that the only Kanye West song I know is called Power. Well, that's Kanye West teamed up with J.B. Fox. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gold Diggers. Oh, man, it's a great song, you know? It's all about bitches and how they're a bunch of gold diggers. Like gold retrievers? Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh-oh. See, this is scene here. That guy gave a great look. Like, who's this pregnant bitch? Like, like... What's that guy's story? He got a great haircut that day. That's his story. Uh-oh. She's getting crazier now. Bartek, I'm going to ask you something now. That is set in the current, not the past. Well, maybe once people listen to it, they're like, hey, actually, Ryan, uh, that question is set in the past because I'm in the future. <laughs> I say to you, I say to you, good job. That was the question was this question in the past and you nailed it no I'm going to ask you something now with the film being called When the Bow Breaks yes and you went into it blind Mm -hmm. with a film title they can really give you a lot about what the film is going to entail what were you expecting with just you know when you hear When the Bow Breaks were you expecting there to be a bow that would break. To be completely honest with you, Ryan, don't even really know what a bow is. Well, it's when you... Is it like a cradle? Yeah. Or the bow of a ship. Like the... Isn't that spelled differently? Yeah, but... Is it? Isn't it B-O-W? Bow. Well, I mean... Yeah, I know. When you're on stage, the, that B-O-W word is pronounced bow, but, you know... Maybe maybe they just don't know how to spell. Oh. <sighs> And even then, like I said... Oh, here's my favourite, second favourite cut coming in. They introduce a random character that you've never heard of before, played by Michael K. Williams. They set him up to be like, yeah, hey, um, random private eye detective-y kind of dude that works at my law firm. Could you look into this guy who's a Marine and really, you know, because I'm worried right now, and he's like, all right, do anything for you, John. And he's like, my man... And then it literally goes to the scene where we see that character again. And he's already, like, busted him for getting videos from this chick that he's just asked him to investigate. Clearly indicate... And look, he looks really upset. Like, like, this is so good. It's like we've just met him. And now he's back. He's like, you're already like, oh, the next cut could be like that guy looking into it, but he's like, look, he's already found out all the information, and he's like really upset about it. Mm. So less a cut and more like a scene transition, maybe. Oh, uh, scene juxtaposition. Maybe? Yeah, scene juxtaposition. Yeah. It's like here's a scene, cut to the next scene. Just scene ordering. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, there is logic there. I mean, it's not like they cut straight from this scene to them in the car outside, like, the, you know, waiting for her to pick up her drugs or something way later in the film. You know, or it didn't cut to the old white boss being like, 
Could you bring uh, Michael K. Williams in? I want to talk to him about if he's uh, found any kind of illegal activity happening on the work email. Sure thing, Mr. Rogers. Thank you, Bethany. Bethany, uh, what a peculiar name that is. What, what kind of, what, what, what origin of name is Bethany? It's uh, Beth, actually. Oh, so it's not Bethany? No, it's just Beth. It could have went with that. And then Michael K. Williams, they phoned him up and he was like, What is it? I'm investigating a crazy pregnant woman right now. Um, Mr. Mister Rogers wants you to uh, come into the office and tell him if you found any illegal uh, activity in the work emails. Well, that's pretty serious. I, I better I better pull, pull off what I'm doing with this whole... crazy pregnant lady that I found all the information you know what I'm on my way and then that sequence is him on his way and he discovers all the information on his way and it's it's only 10 minutes it's a 10 minute drive and he discovers it's all on Google and then he goes into the office and he's like right what do you want me to look at could you look at work emails I can't I'm the boss and he's like easy as punch cracks his neck cracks his knuckles and he just goes right illegal activity and then it pops up with his email it's like here it is sir oh well that's terrible can we please uh um bethany it's actually beth bethany could you uh please phone up uh morris chestnut morris chestnut doesn't work here i'm afraid he's a legitimate actor oh i'm sorry i'm sorry could you uh phone up our employee that looks like morris chestnut can do morris chestnut gets the phone call and he's like, I don't work for you. I'm a legitimate actor. And then she goes, oh, sorry, wrong number. And then she leans back and she goes, oh, I accidentally put in a three when I should have put in a four. Silly Bethany. No, it's Beth. Now I'm getting it wrong. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, 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 boop. Don't forget, not a three. Beep, boop. Bring, bring, <laughs> bring, bring. Um. Yes, hello. Is this not Morris Chestnut? Uh, that's correct. This is not Morris Chestnut. Look, you need to come into the office today at some point. We found out that that's how it should have been. And then he went to the office and then that scene could make... Not to interrupt you, but weren't we looking out for something? Oh, yes, yes. It already happened. Um, he said to them before that, that she was a surrogate. In that mm-hmm. office scene that she's a surrogate. So now it's okay that everyone knows that it's a surrogate. Mm-hmm. See, it only came from push came to shove. Like, what was their plan? Were they planning on just not telling anyone and being like, look, we had a baby. Oh, really weird. How come you were never pregnant? Oh, I just had a really flat stomach during the pregnancy. I lost a lot of weight and the pregnant belly just kind of made up the difference. Yeah, that's it. Oh, here's the scene where I realized the title Ah, is a reference to a song. Ah, I thought you were going to be like, I thought the title was Razorblade. Also, I like how we never see what she cut into herself or anything like that. Yeah, it's like, did she just kill the baby? Did she just kill her... Leg? Leg? Did she carve in his name? Like, what did she do? Uh, Well, we don't get to know because that's good filmmaking. It's called Ambiguity? It's not pronounced Ambiguity. It's Ambiguity. Or ambiguity, yeah, or ba- ambiguity. Basically, just learn to pronounce words, or pronounce words. Mm, pron- That's how you don't say pronounce. <laughs> pronounce. 
That's how you pronounce words. Pronounce, Ryan. There's a great sketch by the two Ronnies in which they teach you how to speak Swedish, and they just like, here's a letter, and here's another letter, and that's how you do it. So, like, here's the letter C, and here's the letter T, and that's how you say in Swedish city, C-T. And then they do it with everyone that you can do, and then they get up to T-T. And it's just like, and then they get stopped by like uh, the network. It just goes like cuts to like broadcast not being able to be shown right now because he has like picture demonstrations as well. Oh, it was gonna be a titty. It was a woman in a bikini, and then he like put his hands on the breast. And it's like T, and then it just cuts. Mm. Uh, and that's how you pronounce things. If you want to know how to pronounce things in any language, what's the two Ronnies? They're going to teach you. But if you want to be thrilled erotically, also what's the two Ronnies? But also what's when the bow breaks? You might need something more advanced to learn Polish, though. No. No, no, they'll teach you how to speak Polish. I hope. The two Ronnies. It's a hard language. And they're hard, they were hard men. Hard in, you know, the... the Bones, yeah, they had hard bones. I'm talking about the penis? No, I'm talking about bones. Sorry, penises. Peni. Peni. Well, it doesn't end with a U.S. It ends with an I.S. Yeah, well... It's like cactus ends with a U.S. Cactuses? Yeah, you know, kind of, then it's weird because you've got the word campus. What about two campuses? Are they campi? No, they're hentai. Ah, a hen wearing a tie. Originally, the one word was henis, and now it's hentai. <laughs> Someone just accidentally dropped a T there. <laughs> they were watching so many Ronnie sketches, like, ah, the letter T is funny. Whoops, <laughs> dropped it into the word. And then Japan's like, you know what, we can we can do something with this. Hens are like cocks, cocks, sex, you know? I Yeah, I love this sequence here in which he manages to very, very well, might I add, uh, sedate her crazy urges by kind of feeding into what she wants you know what acting man but i want you to really talk to me Bartek, about what happens next do you remember what happens after this scene like this specific scene it cuts he's just you know he he's like good night and she's leaving do you remember what happens after i remember I remember it gets dramatic. Yeah. But there are a lot of scenes that are still, you know, to happen in this movie that I can't remember the exact one. Well, it cuts to her just on the patio, and then she's like, You lied! Oh, yes! (laughs) She smashes the glass. And the wife still doesn't wake up straight away. Yeah, that's... that's, Because, yeah, I remember something happening that I wasn't expecting, and it was that she got really crazy and accused him of... This, that, that, and that leads into the cops, right? Uh, they're actually not cops. They're um, neighborhood watch. Okay, but they had like cars with sirens on them, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's a gated community. Right. But I just think it's funny because the neighborhood watch and they're like shining a light like two centimeters away from his face, and being like, "Sir, step away." You know, earlier last year I was having a walk around a park, and you got. Stop by neighborhood watch. No, no, no. It was late at night. They're like, like stop was... masturbating in the park, sir. It was after. Never! It was after midnight. It was like a a policeman <laughs> and his police dog. They they were like on patrol or something, and he had a torch. And he was gonna like play with the dog in the oval or something, and that torch was really bright. Like I was 
easily between 50 and 100 meters away and that thing almost blinded me when it accidentally shot on me so if it was if he had something like that at that close range in his eye then morris chestnut would be a blind man for the rest of this film well he's not because morris chestnut's retinas are stronger than yours yeah i think that's what we get out of this it's a good thing she almost she almost slashed the the art on the wall art the knife or map. <laughs> I mean, cartography is, uh, you know, kind of an art, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I guess. You got me there. I just love how the scenes in this movie are very similar to The Boy Next Door in terms of things kind of just happen. Mm. And I like that. Like, why did he successfully s- sedate her crazy need and then he opens up the door and he has a really sad, surprised look and she's looking at him and she's like, throws the thing, like, why did that happen? And it's maybe because she realized... And this is the great thing about film, you know. It doesn't have, it shows us, doesn't have to tell us. Showing is telling. And it's showing us... Maybe she figured out that he was a liar. Maybe she just changed her mind and wanted to be a jerk. Only the filmmakers know, and even they're not right, necessarily. Maybe when she killed Mike, Mike became a part of her. <gasps> Maybe she, yeah, you know, that's actually pretty deep. That's pretty deep, man. I mean, she killed her own, like, foster dad. Because apparently he sexually molested her, which I think, in the vein of this film, well, he's shining in his mouth, in all fairness. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, in the tone of the film, with the character, he, her, her foster dad probably didn't even molest her. She just probably wanted the same situation with Morris Chestnut. And then killed him. That's what I imagine. See, I I find it kind of hard to basically question that fact because it's not like it's presented from her. In fact, I don't think she ever no, mentions never. the foster dad. But because the guy, he seemed like you know Morris Chestnut's my man guy. Yeah, uh, Michael, Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. You know, he seems like a professional. He clearly had some documents there about her history. I'd imagine that... He know, had photos. She, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that she didn't forge those, so... No, but she... No, but she could have given false testimony as to why she killed him. She couldn't just say, I killed him because I'm crazy. She probably would be saying, I killed him in self-defense because he was molesting me. But when he was saying what he'd learned, he wasn't saying that... Oh, no, this no. was information, like, as from her testimony. It sounded like these are, like, undeniable moot points. Yeah, but I think in the film's world, we've learned that the system is broken. Like, in this, they managed to miss the fact that she was a, a convicted, like, had convictions and was a completely different person. Like, the, the surrogacy people, we've already seen that the law is imperfect, and we can we've already seen multiple times that this character can uh, deceive lie and corrupt uh, to the point of self-preservation so that's what i'm saying like i personally believe that this situation that she's going through right now had already played out once before because you know that's just kind of how it goes in these things you know in these kind of stories it's like it's just what's next you know, with the crazy people like this, what's the end goal? That's what I keep asking in this film. What's it's, the end goal for her? She wants him. What then? Yeah, I feel like that 
kind of offers like an alternative, you say end goal, but also like the beginning point, because they were arguing that that whole thing is kind of one of the major contributing factors to her becoming messed up as well as, you know, being in the orphanage for so long. Mm. So I just assumed that, you know, that was the explanation that the film wanted to give us. Yeah. And I just assumed that that's not really something up for debate, but I, I guess if the possibility is there, then it's something worth considering. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's always up for there. I love how he just pretends that she's not there and she doesn't even question it. Like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll take it. Like, well, he's he's bringing her into things. Like, you know, he's saying things out loud, being like, "Yeah, I'll meet you right now." He looks at the wife. The wife nods. nods. Like, you know, they they got a system here going. Bartek, if you were in the wife situation, mm-hmm. would you be as um, headstrong as uh, the wife is in this film? You're referring to the whole thing about you know, I don't care what you have to do. Just I just don't want to know about it. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, that was something that legitimately impressed me because in a, I won't say lesser film, you know, let's, let's not. More conventional? In a more conventional contemporary film, you would have the character be a bit more jealous, but this film is mature enough to say, you know what, things are conventional because they work, but this is a situation in which the most important motivation is getting a child back. Mm-hmm. And it's very firmly established whether we just look at the fact that, you know, oh, what a great guy he is. But the film wants us to know this is a happy marriage. Mm. They clearly love each other. He's Nothing a good guy. And, and I was even talking this to your girlfriend shortly before we started the episode, Ryan. Um, it's established that they trust each other. when he When she asks him, is what she said true? Did you sleep with her and all that? He says, no, she believes him. Yeah. So clearly... I loved that. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm seeing here is also, I know that you might have to do things that could be considered cheating, but I know that it's for a good, you know... Cause. Good good cause. It's to get our child back. Do whatever you need to do for our child. I I really like that. Mm. You know, you've got this mother's love thing going for someone who's not even born yet that you're not even carrying. And I think that goes back to the whole mm. pregnancy thing. Like, are you, maybe you didn't want to get pregnant, but you, you fell in love with the thing that's growing inside you. And when it becomes born, yeah, you'll, you'll be even super more in love with it. That That's kind of the romanticized idea that I suppose pregnancy has in a lot of fiction. Mm. You know, it's, it's always like a never say never. Maybe you'll have, give birth to it and be like, oh, I want to give it away. Cause that has happened, but that's, that's a tangent. Um, I think that her conviction is definitely probably one of the things that impressed me the most in this film, in terms of things that I've seen that happen in films. Like, mm. yeah, we're not going to play the jealous angle because there's something much more important at stake. And we've established that their relationship as well as our central character, is very uh, strong. Mm. I say that because I love that scene in which Morris Chestnut just said, okay, leave then. Because, you know, sure, it'll break my wife's heart, it'll destroy her, but we'll be able to pick up the pieces, as we have had to do before, and move on. What will happen to you? You'll be a single mum and broke, with a child that's not yours. That's the kind of thing about that character. Like, he has such trust 
in his own judgment, but also the marriage that he's in. You know, he knows that he could at any point tell his wife all these things that he's been hiding. And I think it's really well done why he hides the truth, why he's playing cagey. And like when he does say, I didn't want the experience ruined for you, it's genuine because they've shown how much it means to the wife. But not in an overt manner where you go, okay, this feels like script writing where they have to show us, the audience, that the wife really cares about this a lot, so that's why the husband doesn't tell her. They do it in the right amount. The right amount. Yeah. This is like a cake, this film. They put a right amount of icing on the cake. And they, the right they, amount. And they make you think like, oh, this cake. Yeah, I've had a cake like this before. Then you buy it and you realize, oh, this is this is different. It's perfect. That's the difference. Mm. Its its shape is perfect. The the layering, the texture. Mm. I like here, you get a side shot of him, and you can see, you know, just how aggressive and forward his kiss was. I also really like that the film is subtle in editing as well, where it cuts away from what could be the sex scenes that he has with her. Does he fulfill the sexual act with her at all in this film? Maybe. We don't know. We assume. But it doesn't say necessarily. I mean, the actor portrays a a grave amount of loss and sadness over his actions that we don't see on screen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he did the deed or not. I think that's really it good could, editing. It could just be the stress of putting Everything. on the facade. Yeah, and that's that's a part of it. Like it's that ambiguity. It's telling it's telling us, but not telling us. It's letting us decide whether or not our main because that is a that is an issue that I actually really like that this film explored, and I think you know. Another film, I think this film, you know, is perfectly constructed, goes the right amount of time, but I feel like another film could explore this issue of the guy having to break his moral codes, have sex with another woman, or with the permission of the wife, in a wholehearted, sincere way, and see how that kind of can affect the man because obviously in the world and pop culture and media all this we kind of perceive that men are always okay to have sex with another woman if they're in a relationship because men just love to have sex and And when and you can almost interpret some scenes as like oh is that what they're kind of going with here like oh he did watch part of that video but he did turn it off just before you know yeah exactly saw the boo-boos yeah, exactly, but seeing is different to, you know, and acting upon it. So I think, like, this film does it a little bit. It, like, hints towards that. It plays with that idea a lot. Mm. It obviously has to focus on the other stuff a bit more, and then I'm okay with that. But I think it's an interesting concept to still have in there. You know, a more conventional, lesser film wouldn't even have this kind of setup where he has to seduce her and maybe have sex with her. And if they do, they don't have it in a kind of manner in which it's a personal loss for him. It's yeah, he he doesn't really act does uh, he doesn't really do the wrong thing in the heat of the moment or anything like that. Everything yeah. is deliberate and has a point. Exactly. Although he may or may not be breaking his uh his own ethics and morals, it it also shows that he does not 
break them as well. He's choosing. He doesn't succumb to the passion or the, her beauty. He doesn't get seduced at all. She is trying to, but he is wholeheartedly in love with his wife. And that is above all else. And he has to do what he has to do for her and for his future child. And I think that's a really sincere and sweet message to put into what could we look down upon as a genre which is erotic thrillers they look they get looked down upon but this has a really sweet sincere kind of uh message within it or mm. theme you know to it especially with the main character it's basically the character it's a deconstruction of a good man yeah i know what you're saying because like, how much can you remove from if, the man to still make him good and the film he's still good at the end if we give like this whole idea of like all right this is an erotic thriller and there's going to be a point in it where the wife basically gives him permission to do what needs to be done with another woman. You would think usually that this kind of permission thing would lead to, like, oh, it's a kink thing. Like, yeah, mm. I have sex with a different partner. Yeah. But, it, but in this, they, they play it a very mature angle on that. Yes. And, you know, even before the permission stuff, he has opportunities and he's never really tempted to. Like, yeah, he has a little look at the video when he shouldn't, but that's about it. And he turns it off when, when it gets too inappropriate, and, and that's yeah. about it. Like, that, that's his moment of temptation. Even when he's standing face-to-face with her, and she's like, kiss me or whatever, he doesn't want it. Yeah. He does not want it. Even when he's pretending to be into her in that scene that I liked, He's still like, no, I don't want to kiss you. And even with the videos thing, like, yeah, if you're walking into this blind and you don't, and you wouldn't know that, like, yeah, he's going to be the full mature the whole way through because you think, oh, narrative possibilities. You can even... In- I, no, I did this too when I watched it blind, blind, completely blind. I just saw it as him basically saying, she's not really going to go that far, is she? And just as mm. she's about to, it's like, she went that far. No, I don't want to see this. Yeah. It was a very... It, it's a mature film. It's mature... While also entertaining. It's mature, entertaining, and subverts expectations because... I went into it knowing some knowing stuff, and I saw this, and I went, okay, okay. He's going to succumb because a normal film or a film that wants to create tension and drama that has built up... A film like this builds up a really strong relationship at the start between the couple, and then it deteriorates at the end due to the antagonistic figure and the protagonist as well. So a normal film would have it like he succumbs to the temptation and fucks up the marriage, and it kind of leaves you at the end being like, we can never be the same again because of your betrayal, even though it was at the behest of a of a crazy evil person. That kind of thing. But this film, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the couple, yes, they've done things that will haunt them forever. You know, they kill a person. Uh, and whether or not it is confirmed he has sex with her, it's, it's, he and his wife can still be, like, they're still a strong unit together. Yeah, they're, still, they're still as strong a team as they've ever been. They don't have that thing in romantic comedies or these kind of things where they have the falling out and then they have to team up again at the end for whatever reasons, you know? They don't have that bullshit. And, and, they, and they learn what it means to really be a couple. Exactly. This doesn't... This just goes, no, fuck that. If he didn't... If he says he didn't sleep with her, that means he didn't sleep with her. She's crazy. That's how she goes. Strong female character. Strong female character. Brilliant. That's what we call a great film. Yeah, we can't even say that ironic. She re- she literally is a strong character with all the shit she has to put up with. 
well acted. What do you think about this film? What do you think it is about this film that made it an unappreciated masterpiece? It only came out last year. Mm. And the people, you know, like yourself or or some people, you know, may have heard of the film or have not heard of it at all. Lots of people don't even necessarily know what it's about. Why is that? Maybe it's... And this sort of kind of relates to what I was saying earlier about me trying to work out where the film's going. Like, maybe maybe everyone who's watched this film apart from me, like, knew from trailers or whatever, from marketing yeah. that she's the villain. But maybe it is the jumping of focuses that people don't like, or, like, the, or jumping of situations or status quo. Like, first of all, um, surrogate mother living with us, okay. Uh, suddenly abusive boyfriend mm. move in with us, then maybe all of a sudden, oh, it's a, it's a scam going, and she feels really bad about being in this scam because she really likes this couple. Mm. And then, oh, no, she's actually crazy, and she's going to antagonise them. And then we come into... And this is where I think it got to the more fascinating one, where it's like, oh, no, we're going to have him pretend to be with her and then take the baby. And I think with that one there it didn't get as much focus, the whole pretending thing, because when he was, you know, sad and he went to visit his wife and she hugged her, I was like, oh, you're, you're kind of jeopardising this status quo of the film. And then when they go downstairs mm. into their living room, which has clearly a glass uh-huh. thing, and you can see in there and... In, and that's a payoff. And, and there you go. She actually is watching. Suddenly that jumps away from that. So, and not only is it a change, it's a change from something that, like was really kind of interesting like how far mm. what things is he gonna do but then all of a sudden oh jeopardize she she knows it's a yeah. scam I think yeah you know as much as I love the film I think for a general movie going audience there's a few major things some of them may come across as outlandish things to say but I think they're still genuine things one it's an erotic thriller that doesn't necessarily appeal to the younger age demographics more to the older people you know this is the kind of movie that someone's aunt would say, I watched this great movie. We, we should probably say, yeah, it's an erotic thriller. It's not like, you know, porn. It's not like super no, it's, hot No, it's classy. Like that. It's classy. Like, with The Boy Next Door, maybe that one is a little bit more... That one's hot, a bit more trash. Because, because it had, like, you know, J-Lo and, yeah, uh, and a hot guy. I think another part of it is uh, the... Hmm. I think a part of it, too, is that it's a pretty much an all-black cast-led film, which, in terms of cinema, is always looked down upon as lesser... Uh, films usually like you know you think of black exploitation films you think of the Wayne's kind of comedy films you think of those and they're always kind of lesser uh, you know that kind of thing you know that black foolishness kind of attitude as could also be something that hinders it as as well so that could also be a racial thing of it alienates a white audience because it seems like a, a more black audience thing but I think it's t- uh, for the actual film itself when you have to sit down and watch it it's two things um, too subtle for some people and this really ties into the next thing which is the pacing I think it may be a bit too slow for people who are into this because I think that's a reward thing, but I also don't mind that it takes its time. While I also appreciate films like The Boy Next Door and Unforgettable, 
which we've covered on the show, that let you know pretty quickly what who's who and what's what. And that's a good thing. Like, that's a good thing too. But this film is a bit different in that genre. You know, like in Unforgettable, we know Catherine Heigl's evil when you first see her. She just has this look on her face and she's really methodical and you know, you know, okay, the boy next door. Similar thing, you know, the, the, the inciting incident happens real quick. This movie, the inciting incident takes a real long time to really settle in. I guess, I guess you and could say them choosing to the surrogate could be it, but... And l- like I was kind of getting with my testimony of watching the film, I was trying to find what the inciting incident was because I didn't know what the main conflict of the film is going to be based on, like... Oh, she hit her overhead with a vase. An actual vase. But, yeah. That's the inciting incident that she got. No, it's a fan. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Another thing with her being a strong female character, I really like the touch of she grabbed the phone, Mm. called 911, and it was to call the ambulance, not the police. Yeah. That was a nice little thing. I'm like, oh, that's... She's a really good person. She's still looking out for the baby because she sees it coming, so that's really smart. She's got her convictions. Yeah. That's, you know... Yeah, I think it's those things. It's maybe a bit too subtle about some of the stuff. I mean, that characterization that we were talking about maybe a little bit too, a bit too sedate for a film of this nature, where you want something like The Boy Next Door, in which J Lo, you know, she doesn't really go through a major arc at the end. It's more that she pro- overcomes the antagonist. Well, in this film, they overcome the antagonist, but it's so much more than that. Like the film explores a lot more, and I'm not saying that The Boy Next Door or Unforgettable. Uh, are lesser films, of course they're not. They they're equal, and you know they're all unappreciated, and they're equal in my eyes. Uh, but I just appreciate that this is within the same genre, taking a different approach. That's a great thing about genres, you know. I I was having a disagreement about this. You need tropes to work in genre-specific pieces, but to still be interesting, you have to branch out from those tropes to be unique. But you shouldn't branch away from every trope because then you're not going to be a genre-specific work, are you? If you were doing a Western and you were going to have the stranger comes to town kind of thing, that's okay. But you should still have it be, you know, the the themes of a Western as well, which you could say are tropes where the hero dies at the end or, or the hero is alone or, you know, that kind of thing. Still need those. And you're probably also set it in the West. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we've seen lots of Westerns now that aren't necessarily in the West. You know, like, there's uh, Hell or High Water in the Old West. You know, they're set in that grunge. We've seen Australian Westerns kind of thing. Any movie written by Nick Cave is basically a Western. It's, you know, the thematic things uh, with Westerns. Logan is a Western for example, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, every film's a Western, according to film studies. Yeah, um, I've been kind of not contributing to certain points about why this film failed, because a lot of them kind of stem from the YouTube comments, and uh, you know, we, I saved that for the end. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. Is it because Michael K. Williams' beard keeps changing colour? of how white it is? Because I love that touch. Maybe he's gotten older as the film goes on. Maybe maybe the the plot of the film is stressing him so much and yeah. giving him dramatic changes. Like, he's like, dude, I just investigate law firm-related private issues, not like this. You know, I love Michael K. Williams has a distinctive scar on his face 
Um, one of my favorite things about him as an actor is like, you know, I can't remember the exact story of why he got the scar. I think he got attacked or something. Obviously he has this giant scar across his face. A lot of the time in movies and TV shows, they have to kind of, um, come up with a backstory or something to explain why he has a giant scar on his face because you can't just have a guy who looks like him with a giant scar on his face in most things. This film, they don't do it, thank God. But in most things, you can't just have him be like, and here's my dad, and you have him there looking intimidating with his giant scar across his face and not say, oh, he got into a bar fight or something or because then you'd get your own assumptions of what kind of guy he is. That's why this film's good. He's a private eye detective kind of guy. He's got a scar on his face. You kind of understand, okay, he's been he's seen the yeah, shit. Like you said before, it's a trope. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's got a physical injury. He, you know, then you know this guy's tough. He's he goes out there, he he stomps on the pavement, he pounds on doors, he takes names, he gets injured. You know, he works, you know, sweat, blood and tears. He likes donuts. He's, you know, he's Michael K. Williams. You know, that's the kind of guy you got here. He's, he's He distinctly has his middle initial in his name, so you know he means something. He's like Samuel L. Jackson. Did I ever tell you a friend of mine always thought that uh, they didn't know until they saw his name written that the L, like they just started yeah. saying Samuel, yeah, which did. is fair, I guess, you know, Samuel, but like you can, there is Samuel, so... Uh, you think Emmanuel more than anything else, but I'm like, okay, weird. Fun also, fact, the L stands for Leroy. I think there was also like a, a god in some culture that's called Samael. Will I am? It's like Sam A E L. Samael. I think it's depicted as like a dragon or something. I I went to school with a guy whose name was Sam Jackson. His middle initial was L, but I think it stood for Lucas. Was he black? He was a tall, white ginger. Do you say motherfucker a lot? No, but he beat me in spelling bee in year nine. God damn it, Ryan. Was the word motherfucker? Listening people, always remember, the word handkerchief has a D in it. Oh, you didn't know that. I messed up, Ryan, because I never pronounced the, the D. I always pronounce it handkerchief. Yeah, Not it's like kind of a... handkerchief. No, you don't. But then, Ryan, he got charisma. That's an easy word to spell. What kind of a spelling bee was this? You're in year nine. This sounds like one that you would do in year six or year five. I don't know what to tell you. Was this like the first round and you lost? No, this was finals. I was the runner up. What? And that was the final big one. Charisma. He got charisma. I got handkerchief. In year nine, you're old enough to be thrown harder ones like how do you spell necropolis or something? You know, like to that's be, not necessarily the hardest to be fair, one, but that's like an interesting To be fair, one. it's a little bit different between writing and uh, like saying it out loud, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but like spelling bee, you're saying it out loud, yeah? Yeah, we have to spell it out loud. Yeah, yeah, that's how most spelling bees work. What I'm saying is like, they sound like pretty simple ones for like the end game for a year nine student. Like, like what I just said, like if you had to spell something like, yeah, I don't know, like yeah, necropolis or something, I'd be like, okay, that's fair enough. You know, that sounds like a bit of a, one I mean, that it's an unusual you... word, but it, yeah, you could sound it out. There's not really any like silent letters in there. Yeah. But charisma, like, you know, I guess you could be like, there's no H there, but you know, mm. like, I don't know. It sounds very simple for year nine. Your teachers sound like they just did not plan 
enough. And, and but then, again, you got stumbled on handkerchief, so I guess that's fair enough. I, 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 is the D technically silent? Are you meant to pronounce it, but people don't? Like I think some people do, some people don't. I don't. Yeah, so that that's kind of the thing. Like, I never really thought about it. But then the word that in the year 8 spelling of E was a word that I'd never heard of. It's like a maths term. It was quadtile. And I was just... <laughs> that's I, hard. I, like, I'd never heard the word before. Was it spelled how you think it is? Well, the, like the, quad and tile. Well, see, maybe if they enunciated it more, because it is, yeah. Okay. But if but they didn't really enunciate it that well. It's like quadile. I'm like, oh. quadile. They're like, yeah, it's a maths term. I'm like, so you thought it would be like quad and then I L E. I guess quadile. That sounds like crocodile. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe Australians shouldn't do spelling bees. But you know who should. These guys are loveless. It's just a stare off, and then oh, that's such a great shot. Mm. Her getting the gun out from behind her leg. It's so well done. Yeah, b- before before she pulled out the shotgun, I'm like, well, she, you know, she's not Jason Voorhees. You can just drive away. But then when she pulled out the shotgun, I'm like, ah. And I like how she look at her face. She's like, I'm done with you. I am sick of you, you crazy bitch. Like she's the one that's sick of her, not Morris. And I yeah, and I uh, well, I mean, she, like like she's had to go through so much more than Morris Chestnut has had to go through. To be fair, she's she got attacked. That well, no, I was actually gonna say she's kind of been forced to be out of the loop and out of the action for dealing with a lot of this stuff. Oh yeah, with the I'd imagine stuff, she's yeah. had her own like going crazy while being mm. alone things. Um, also, she's the more, I guess... Emotional one. That's exactly what I was going to say, like, emotively, uh... Expressive. Expressive, that's exactly the word. That's it, guys. I was going to say receptive, I'm like, that's not the word, but then you said expressive, I'm like, that's it. Beautiful shot. That was a beautiful shot there. I like how the bear was a setup and payoff as well. And the the glass falling on the ground breaking, now look at all this broken stuff. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Now they just need to cut to them picking up two pieces and then credits. Also, was the shotgun established? Yes. Yes. When he first went to the lake house, he was like, look at this. And they had like a very nice, subtle shot of the gun rack. And then he, again, this was very smart, when he was fighting her and she was on his back... He had a POV shot in which he's looking around and he sees the glass cabinet with the guns in it. And then he runs at it and smashes her into it. And then some of the guns fall out. Oh, I remember her being smashed into the glass, yes. So, yeah. They did it. They did very well. I liked how they didn't go with a horror movie thing either where they hit her with a car and then she comes back and she's like, Aah! and then Again, they just like have Jason to reverse Boys, over. Yeah. Then they have to reverse over. Also, I like this. Is it going to be okay? Well, he said so, so, you know. Because they killed someone and kidnapped the baby, technically. Like, but my girlfriend pointed this out. He's a great lawyer. He's a great lawyer. Also, he could have just said, I just went to pick up my son. Like, literally pick him up. <laughs> and I walked him to another room and I got attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, a, he, you know, like, you know, crimes are a lot more complicated than that, of course. Like, what was your motive? I wanted to show him the living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... Again, they already pointed out in the logic of this that she, the now dead mother, has the rights over the child more than he did as the father and she did as the embryo mum. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you killed this woman 
who probably, like, you could say, like, if I was a prosecution, I'd be like, clearly this woman didn't want to give the child over, and they killed her so they could have the child. Like, you know what I mean? And then the defense would be like, well, yes, but they didn't attack her first. They just wanted to, like, sneak out. Yeah, but then what's... Then the... self-defense, because she yeah, got but, a gun out. but here's the thing. Like, you're going to take their word over a dead person. Like, who's to say that that's how it happened exactly? You know what I mean? Like, there's so much doubt. That's why it's so nice that a character who's been so headstrong the whole entire movie, so collected... But that was also his weakness, because he even admitted to the wife. Is that a Poland Perkins? Is that a company or a name? I think that's a name. That's a great name. Um, what I was saying was, uh, uh, his headstrong nature, his idea that he has so much clarity, was also something he pointed out was a mistake of his to the wife. So, I like the idea that when he says it's going to be okay, there's no real reason for you to believe him that it's going to be okay. It's a hope thing, yeah. Yeah, it's a hope thing, but it leaves the audience with this ambiguous ending of, is it going to be okay? I hope it's going to be okay. But we don't know. Because there is so much shit that they did wrong at the end as well. That's fair enough. Like, we got to see it and understand it, but the outsider eye... And that's what this has all been about. Every outsider of this incident has seen it and said he's a bad... Oh, look, someone was a he's great guy. He's a great guy, guy yeah. Um, you know, his bosses, his co-workers, all these people, those people at the waiting room, uh, all these outsiders see their situation, they don't get the full context, and they they believe that they're the wrongdoers. So I think it'll be interesting what happens next in this world that's already set up that the world's against them. And, you know, another thing to consider is... Um, the police were obviously coming to the house at the very end. Yeah, yeah, the lake house, yeah. Did they call them? I was going to say, uh, they must have, because it doesn't seem like there's anyone else Out there, nearby, and, so... and if only one gun gunshot got the police there hours later, then that's weird. Well, and considering... I know they weren't police, it was like neighbourhood watch, but even then they came very quickly, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... I, I think, yeah, if you call and, like, look, there's been some shit going down and we're, we're the ones that are alive, you know, it's kind of like that idea of, oh, you're turning yourself in so they'll be a bit easier on you. Mm. So the film's ended. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Be, be moved. Didn't we have a film... There. Ages ago that said B-moved at the end? Yeah, and you should be. Thanks, Screen Gems. I'm going to go into my review and rating. Here's my review. You've basically heard me praise the film the entire time. I think we got very analytical on this film. But that's the point. This film was an artistic vision. And with art, it's not just about creating a pretty image or telling a cute story. It's about conveying ideas through character motivations, through themes. And this film had so many things it wanted to convey to us, and it perfectly did. It did those perfectly. It it, 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 it nailed it. It's a 10 out of 10. For a genre that gets looked down upon, for a genre... Uh, for a genre that's a sub-genre of a genre, you know? Like, it's a black erotic thriller. Like, you know, you, you, you hear that and you go, Oh, okay. And it's a film you haven't heard of. You go, this is going to be cheesy, or this is going to be bad, this isn't going to be fun, or it's not going to be thought-provoking. And guess what? It, it is thought-provoking. And guess what? It is fun. And guess what? It's well-directed, well-edited, well-acted. It is a finely-tuned film. 
And I appreciate that about it. And that's why it's so heartbreaking that this is an unappreciated film. But hopefully, it gains its audience. You know, it gains its appreciation. I hope that. Because, you know, that's all we can do is we do our show, talk about these, get get deep, talk about some silly stuff as well along the way. But we can only hope that uh, us delving into these films can can enlighten your uh, views on, on a film, you know, because it's so easy in a world where, you know, what gets the most hits and the most clicks and the most attention is negativity. I think it's actually good to step back and say, hey, yeah, it's easy to hate on a film, but... You know what's actually more rewarding, and it's harder to do though, is to appreciate a film. To appreciate something instead of just critiquing it in a negative fashion. If I have to give this movie a rating, which of course I do, I have to give it a... Lemons? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe I should use fruit as my rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me too, clearly. Uh, I was going to use a lemons out of a Chekhov's do- dog. I was thinking of using lemons and oranges, but you know, I'll think of something different. I'll, you I'll... should use oranges and red the cat. Oh, yeah, No, I'm not going to use citrus fruits. Let's hear from Bartek, ladies and gentlemen, what... and others, pets maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, and others and cows. It would be easy for me to say I agree with everything Ryan said, and then just give a rating, but you know. I will instead say I agree with everything Ryan said, and I'll add in a different perspective, my own way of colouring my thoughts on the film. So, first of all, I want to paint a picture to help establish the point that I'm going to make. Alright, you're a, you're a teacher in a class, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty decent class. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, in, you're in front of the blackboard, you're like, you know, writing okay. important lesson stuff. Decent class, but there's this one student in the back. You know, you're doing a lesson, you turn around, you sigh, and you say, Hey, Mondo, you fucking delinquent, what are you doing? And this, this one kid there, he's, you know, he's. A bit, <laughs> you he's... say as a teacher, what the fuck are you doing? Or, or something <laughs> equivalent of that would be more appropriate for the stands of a teacher. And the kid there, you know, he's like chewing gum, spitting, smoking, he's like, Hey, Fuck you. And obviously he says literally that because he yeah, doesn't he's stand a, he, it to follow. He's and he gives, the, he gives the finger and you go, oh my God, you're so immature. But then in the back of your head, you're thinking, but if you were the main character of a movie, that would be probably a really good movie because it's mm. from the students think you're funny. People would think, oh yeah, you're a rebel. Your story would be interesting. Mm. And it brings about this idea that, yeah, an immature lead doing immature things with his own way of doing things, that's cool. Mm. And it's easily entertaining. But I think what this film does amazing, truly, truly amazing, is that not only is it still an entertaining film, it's entertaining while while also maintaining an air of maturity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is... Look, it's possible... But I think that if you're able to achieve that, then you have done an amazing thing. Excellent. Sorry, I sound like getting choked up, but it's... It's okay, you're getting choked up. I feel the amazed. It's just the frog in my throat, so I just... Get out of there, Kermit, you pervert! Get your cock out of his throat. Well, I mean, technically his whole body was in the throat. Wow, you got that deep in you. Yeah, it's weird when you're, when you're literally your head. Not, not your cock head, but your literal head also gets in there. Wow. And your legs. 
Mm-hmm. And, the, and your arms. And I think there's small body parts, but I'm, I'm not good with body parts. Frogs are hard. Yeah. Um, it's a mature film that still manages to be entertaining and thought-provoking. Mm. And, you know, we can say that we've done many films on this podcast that maybe have some of those elements in them and they oh, do yeah. them very well. Kind of like that whole Zoom thing, you know. You take mm. one element and you do really well with that. I think that this is on the extreme opposite of Zoom when you're still... But still on the unappreciated masterpiece spectrum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I get rid of the unappreciated, it's a masterpiece, but the unappreciated is what's, what, the, what the scum of society bring to it. It's... Fucking scum. It takes a bunch of elements that can, you know, hold up a film on their own and does them all really well. Yeah. I suppose the only thing that would be missing is, yeah, an immature character in the film to bring about this rebellion. Yeah, and I guess the closest you get to that is a guy from the tuxedo just wanting to bang the psycho chick. That's the closest you'd get to a slightly immature character. Mm. So I guess what I'm trying to say is is that even if you know, gun to my head, I had to rank every all 89 or whatever films that we've mm-hmm. done, like best to worst. Yeah, it's going to be hard to pick what's on top or what's on bottom. But I think even if this one isn't on top, I would like bring the top films to the side and say, hey, look. Take a lesson. You're, you're, you're in first place. You're, you're, you're the best film ever made of the best films ever made. But you got to respect this guy. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like, uh, you know, in society, you got to respect the elderly, the pregnant, stuff like that. This film right here, this is a... I suppose the most appropriate thing to say would be... It's, it's a pregnant person. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. got a great idea brewing and you have to watch it. And that watching it is when, is the birth happening. You got mm. you. This film deserves your respect on a level beyond all the other films that also deserve your respect. I agree. And if I have to give this film a rating... I would have to give it Hmm. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, now that I have to look past the citrus fruits. Yeah, now you have to really yeah. dig deep into your soul. Bartek? Bartek. I'll ask you. Yes. Your rating. Yep, now dig deep into your heart, to mm-hmm. your soul. Think about it. This film moved you. It moved me. It moved the world. What Rating does a film like this deserve? My heart. For some reason, my heart's throwing a bunch of colours at me. Okay, give me the colours. Give me the colours. I'm, I'm thinking. There's a pink. There's a brown. Like uh, what? What are these? Are kind of like sweet. I get. I get, I would associate them to like sweet tastes, maybe like yeah, know, yeah. chocolate or like just strawberry. Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Am I thinking cakes? Do, do I give this one a cake? Yes! A cake? That's your a rating. cake in a, in a glass vase. That's it. Nailed it. Two cakes and two glass Bartek, vases. Bartek, that was wonderful. Now, we've got some comments from YouTube here. Mm. Now, you've kind of described a little bit. I imagine you've gotten these comments yeah. from YouTube from the trailer? Almost all of them from the trailer, but eventually I grabbed a comment from the full film uploaded on YouTube oh. but super zoomed in so it wasn't great quality but but you know the interesting thing <laughs> naughty about, naughty internet the, buy the film from Screen Gems the interesting thing about whenever on YouTube there's an uploaded film but it's like zoomed in or, mm-hmm. or clearly imperfect is 
the comments are mostly positive and happy that they got to see the film anyway. No, oh, you know, they understand. They understand yeah. what they've chosen. And they've chosen to act illegally. But also not ideally. Yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like an interesting balance there. Well, hit us with um, YouTube. All right. I have seven... Deadly sin. I saw. <laughs> is one of them lost? That is one of the sins. Yes. Good. Um, I, I sometimes like to describe comments as families, not because it's mm-hmm. not because I'm super deep reading, but because some of them have responses, and I count as one. Yeah, yeah. This one, I've got, I've got seven families. Like two of them have responses, so technically there's I don't know nine comments, but you get the deal. And the first one that I will read says. Uh, oh, this is a uh, criticism, unfortunately. Oh, no. Black Hollywood needs to make some different kinds of movies. <laughs> Tired of all these the perfect match type movies with predictable plots and outcomes. LORD! Lords in all caps and too many exclamation marks to count. Wow. How mean. Mm. I mean, uh, it's okay that they shared their opinion. I I, I respect uh, a different opinion, but how dare they? Mm. Unfortunately, the next one's also negative, but it does have a response. Oh well, and it's it's it starts like this. Okay. They watch the trailer and they say, "Not supporting this." They keep giving black audiences the same types of storylines and genres. Just because this is not a TP movie, I don't know what TP is. Tyler Perry. Toilet paper. um, (laughs) Does not make it a great movie. This has the same elements of fatal attraction, obsession, and the hand that rocks the cradle. As a moviegoer, I feel like my intellect has been insulted. Please give black audiences something more intellectually stimulating in the genres of psychological thrillers, sci-fi, action, horror, etc. We're not a monolithic marketing group. You advertise different genres and we will support it because it is new slash different. SMH! Shake my head or so much hate. Okay, Spike Lee, I know that's you. Get off of YouTube and start making actual good films again, motherfucker. So that person was basically saying, you know, like, oh... You yeah, know. famous director Spike Lee. But then the response kind of disproves him, I guess, because it shows hashtag not all of us kind of thing. Oh, going yeah, on. go on. The response is, well, I ain't seen many movies since my parents sheltered me, so this seems interesting to me. I saw none of those films you listed, lol. I know that's you, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Ryan, this is a big honour because the next comment is from a big movie fan. Good. The marketing team for this movie suck. Why am I just finding out about this movie? I'm a big movie fan and this looks good. I'm glad that there was like a a setup and then there was a twist. Yeah. To the point that I forgot about the twist. That's why the tone was kind of weird there. (laughs) All right. After I finish this comment, we're going to be halfway through the YouTube comments. Oh, well, I'm halfway through excitement. Because when you finish them, that's when we can... When you finish the YouTube comments, that's when we can clap our hands and say, Good job! Good job, people! Good job! So that's why I'm, like, halfway through. Halfway through. Like, you can hear me? I'm, I'm revving up. I'm revving up for that when, clap when at the end where I go, Good job, people! Good job! When you're editing this episode, you're just going to cut out that segment of you actually clapping and saying good job and just place it afterwards? 
No. Good. That means that you've got conviction to do it again. Okay. And that was just a sneak peek. Convict me. And you're all welcome for that. Next comment. I know this is just a movie, but this is reason 1001 that you don't do surrogate motherhood and move these <laughs> chicks into your home. All the unwanted children in the world, and they could have adopted with their money slash status. A house is only built for one couple slash two adults, and any more than that is trouble. Ladies, keep them skirts out of your, ho of your house. Females cannot be trusted like that IJS. Oh, huh? I'd never heard IJ. I think it means I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So, um... They just told us. So clearly this person needs to see another film where Morris Chestnut does adopt a child. Yeah, it's called Like Mike. Exactly. Get so. your Chestnut filmography yeah, up to date. The film's been there all along, guys. You could have, you know... <sighs> Next comment is the shortest one that I've brought. Aww. I watched the movie yesterday and it got everyone in the theatre hyped up. Oh, so, fun. you know, that disproves Spike Lee once again. That Take that, like Spike. This film. You're out of touch with your audience, mate. This next one is cynical, but it has a response. Ah, oh, good. Quinn's back. Black people doing, quote, white people type movies. Oh, Lord. Oh, and the response is, dude, let them. We whites pretty much got 95% of our music from blacks, so they have every right to do this. Well. I think the username for this response was, like, typical Scottish guy or something. Ah, so uh, I know, that's you, Danny Boyle. <laughs> and now we have... Oh, the last... The longest comment that I've brought, oh, and it's... hit it's, me. It's one that I didn't fully... Get? Get. I, I felt like I included this because I felt like if I read it out loud, I, I might I might take it in a bit more. Okay, I'll help decipher it with you. This was the comment that came from the full movie in bad quality. Okay. So this is no longer trailer territory. Hit me. <clears throat> and this isn't a response, but it begins with, thank you. <laughs> I... <laughs> Thank you. Like, you're reading my response? You're reading my comment? Thank you. Thank you. I sure wish that she'd just tell them the truth, except that if she did, they'd know all about her. Quote, you're the brains, Mike. I usually... Oh, and by the way, every time I emphasize a word, it's in all caps. Oh, of course. <clears throat> I usually don't like it when a woman is really violent towards a man, but in this case, she had to do it. Except that, on the other hand, she could have just told them the truth from day one, begging them to help her to go honest so that she could get away. Why does the law always side with a uterus over reproductive fluids, eggs, and experience? Unfair! That situation is just as unfair as abortion laws. The logic behind that is rancid too. It's like saying that if some food poisoning got into me, I own it as though it originated within my body. Untrue and stupid. You can't claim that a fetus belongs to a woman alone because even though she is the incubator and one of the creators, there is always another creator without whose bodily fluids the fetus wouldn't even exist. The baby has two creators, not one. And the response is, you're saying thank you this movie's wet, I can give you the real movie. <laughs> Okay, what I understood from the original comment, first half, it's broken up into two sections. Yeah. The first half is basically, I think, 
they upset that the woman was not telling them about Mike being around and being a dick and whatever. A part of me feels like they are watching the movie and they're writing this at the same time and haven't finished watching the movie. Yeah. And then the second half is just them basically it's being like, like I'm not happy with the fact that she can take their baby. It, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the short version, I suppose. That's right? the footnotes. And and the response? Oh. I You're saying thank you, this movie's wet, I can give you the real movie? I don't know. <laughs> well, that was the internet for you. You guys, as always, have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful, superfluously stupendous list. Oh, 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 fuck me! Oh, good job, guys! Good job! I see, I got too excited. I forgot. Oh, oh, good job! Good job! And you guys have done a good job, too. As always, wonderful, superfluous, stupendous, great, amazing <laughs> listening people. Barter, cough away. <coughs> I, I did cough away. Cough it again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's exactly the way I like it. Uh-huh, <laughs> that was uh-huh. a good one. That was a good one. Oh, I was very proud of that. Actually, it was very Yay. nice. Yay! Wait, um, we don't have the copyright. This joke we've done it before. No! We sang it so well. We're clearly gonna get flagged. Like you used the actual song there, right? It's like, no, we, we sang it ourselves. Well, you can follow us on. Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Spin Polish Presents. You can find the content all around the interweb. And, um, you know, support us, share us around, follow us if you want to give a suggestion for uh, a film that we could cover. Because, hey, we don't know every film that's unappreciated. Go to the YouTube, I mean, uh, the Facebook page. And we have a link there that you can just type in a suggestion. We have a little uh, post there you can type in suggestions. The pinned post. And, um... Well, I'm Bartek. You know what? This You're not Bartek. No, Bartek. This was a very um, delightful film mm-hmm. with a nice, delightful commentary from both of us, I think. You did a good High job. Five. You did a good job, Rennie. Thank you. Um, Bartek, you should, as well as the audience, remember to always be kind to each other. Yeah, but, uh, you know, contrary to the kind thing, this episode is, you know, it's being released on the 31st of October, so <laughs> we have like a... Like, spooky horror twists to the episode. Alright. The twist is, I hated the movie. Oh, oh, this is so scary. He hated the movie. I'm so scared. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh. when will the lies end? Wait a second. I just looked in the mirror, and I realized I also hated the movie. No! along! We're, oh, no, we're frauds. Oh, we're frauds. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said we're frauds. Where <laughs> we are, fra- we are frauds. No! We are. Oh my god! All in the mirror. We are frauds. Written in blood backwards. <laughs> Fun fact: We actually do have a mirror in the recording. And studio. it's got blood written on it, saying "We are frauds" backwards. Bartek, like all horror movies, we have to have a killer resolution to the fact that we are frauds. What are we going to do, Ryan? I, I've got this button right here. You press it, we kill the demon. Okay, okay. Kill the demon. Three, two, one. Press. <laughs> you just emptied a finger into my hole. <laughs> oh, uh, we I, was killed the... I was expecting something from the demon, you know, some kind of scary kind of... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. A jump skip. Yeah. In a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we killed him. But then the twist is like... Oh no, the demon is, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. He, he wasn't dead. He's going to kill us now. Oh no. Is that him behind us? Oh no. Oh no. Ah!
He doesn't kill us, but he turns us into legitimate frauds. And every episode from here on in, we are now frauds. Except for when we're not, which will be every other episode. I hated every movie we did in this podcast. Yeah, that's that's the truth. <laughs>